You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the radio octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Brendan McGuire. And welcome to the Friday edition of the Sports Cage for Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Brendan McGuire filling in for Michael Ball alongside Sean Kleisinger. Coming up on the Friday edition of the program, we will hear from Russ Howard, who is in Kamloops at the 2023 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts, draw number one later on tonight. Montreal Alouette receiver Greg Ellingson will join us in the cage. Uh, also, lots to talk about. We will check in with J.C. Abbott from 3Down Nation and we'll have our Chase the Ace, the weekly feature here on The Cage. Jamie Nugabauer will join us to talk about the SJHL and everything that's happening there. New Rough Rider receiver Sean Bain Jr. It's like Receiver's Day here on The Cage Zinger. And Luke Mullinder uh, before the show is done tonight. But before we get to any of that, we will go to the Western Pizza Hotline, where we are now joined by someone whose voice you heard many times last season, hosting the Ride Around Table, doing the pregame show and on the sidelines. Daniela Ponticelli is in Calgary. Daniela, tell us about the hockey game you're doing tonight. Oh, Brendan, great to great to catch up with you. Yes, tonight, Canada West and actually both men's and women's University of Saskatchewan teams are in Calgary. Women are taking on the Dinos and the men are taking on the Cougars. In fact, their game just got underway. Oh, no, it's an hour. It's an hour to go still for the men, but they play in the afternoon. So lots going on in Calgary today. Very good, and I believe we can hear those on the Husky Fan app if you're wanting to check out some of Daniela's work and the uh, U of of S Huskies uh, broadcasts. You were at the media availability... um, feels like a week ago, but it was two days ago, um, (laughs) when Trevor Harris was uh, introduced to the Regina media. Did you feel like he said all the right things? Oh, gosh, he couldn't script it better. I have to say, the man is not only eloquent, but he knows what he wants to to get across. He's very clear that he is coming into Saskatchewan with a plan, which is great. And as much as we talk about the fact that, yes, he's a veteran quarterback, he knows it, too. He knows that this, uh, as he said himself, this isn't a three-year plan. You've got to start making those those moves now. So he's been hitting the ground running. And, of course, actually coming to Saskatchewan for this week was, was really great, getting to be there with his wife, Kaylee. They went shopping. They kind of got to take in all the sights and sounds. And now they're going to be house hunting, of course, as the whole family will be moving here for the start of the season. The, the one thing that jumped out at me was I really went after the whole social media angle, and I felt like it was appropriate when you consider how involved, for lack of a better term, um, Cody was, the, the guy before him. 
uh, was on social yeah. media, and uh, and he made a point of saying he doesn't do any of that stuff. Uh, he doesn't have a Twitter account. He says he goes on Instagram once in a while. And uh, I heard from a few Ryder fans in the last couple of days that they kind of like that. And the sense that I'm getting is we don't know for sure that they, the Riders have upgraded over Cody Fajardo, but they wanted and felt like they needed to get off that roller coaster. And if nothing else, Trevor Harris gets them off that roller coaster. Is that a fair take? I think it's a very fair take, Brendan. And more than that, you're already sensing uh, a shift in overall energy and focus, uh, whether that's Trevor Harris-led. That's kind of the feeling I'm getting, is that, hey, this is, this is, we're going to take this seriously. We're going to do this. I did get a chance to actually catch up with Trevor yesterday and asked him about that, asked him about the, the media scrutiny that will inevitably come, the fan scrutiny, for better or for worse. Um, and, and he said, yeah, I, I'm not only am I ready for it, but I'm so... I'm so confident in my opinion of myself and who I am, but that doesn't get to me. And I think that's, that's something that's worth noting. And of course, taking those steps, I didn't ask him about the social media, but maybe I will next time, taking those steps to sort of make sure you're cutting down on the noise and trying to listen to what's actually constructive out there throughout the season. But as you said, Brendan, it's hard to say right now, of course, at this point in the season, or I guess not even in the season yet, about whether it's an upgrade or not, but overall the the energy does feel different in the building. Joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by Daniela Ponticelli. Dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. When we look back at the wreckage that was 2022, and you dealt with a lot of the callers, the angry callers who called in. You know what? And bless them. I always say that because that's what the post-game show and the radio roundtable is all about, is airing airing your thoughts and getting those emotions out because that's what sports brings. But Brendan, I got to say, I always have to say thank you to the fans for calling in and, and sharing that. But yes, wreckage is a good description. Yes. And the, and, and I don't mean wreckage by the post game show because we love the post game show, no matter what, <laughs> what kind of season, sometimes it's more entertaining mm-hmm. after a bad year, but the season um, itself was, uh, was a tough go. And I remember Don Hewitt, the professor saying on the post game show to one of the callers that it's rider management's job to excite you do we feel like they've done enough to excite the fan base the people who were calling you after the games last year i would certainly hope that eight signings on free agency day is one way to spark a little bit of what was that spark just have a spark that was what they were saying when they swapped cody out for mason fine but truly i think that level of excitement and of course having big ticket signings like a new quarterback is Uh, an exciting factor unto itself. I do think there'll be even more um, interesting developments, of course, as we head into training camp, as we start to see the pieces kind of shift into place. And, uh, yeah, I I guess I would really, really hope that management has at least moved the needle enough to get that interest triggered for a brand-new season, but it really will take what happens on game day? And other thing Trevor told me, Brendan, which I thought was interesting yesterday, we were chatting, and he said, I want to be undefeated at home. So that's laying down the gauntlet right there because, as we know, Riders haven't won a home game since, what is it, July 22nd? <laughs> if not earlier than that, it was the Ottawa game in July. It was the last time the Riders won at home. So 
I would like to see a change in that way. And Brendan, something else I will say, I'd rather have a bunch of boring post-game shows and a, and a whole bunch of rider wins <laughs> than the opposite. So, yeah, no no doubt. And we didn't have a lot of entertainment value in the home games last year. The games were better around the CFL, but it sure didn't feel like the games were a whole lot more entertaining at Mosaic Stadium. Just one more for you, and uh, we'll, we'll let you run. I know um, you mentioned that a lot of things will change between now and training camp, so the script hasn't been fully written yet. As we sit here on February the 17th, can we project the Rough Riders to be back in the playoffs in 2023, do you think? Again, if you're asking my personal opinion, I I feel that there's a good shift and a good change. So I would like to say yes. I am also anticipating some interesting moves just in the West overall. I think we're going to have an even stronger division than we had last year. So hopefully that works in the Riders' favor as as the team also gets much stronger and, and brings brings us back into a postseason run, but it will be tough as it always is in the West. It'll be fascinating to see how it all unfolds. Uh, we thank you for this and have a good call tonight. Oh, thank you so much, Brendan. Okay, that is Daniela Ponticelli doing some U of S. Huskies hockey tonight, and uh, I know you can tune into that through the uh, Husky Fan app. Coming up next, we will go to Kamloops at the 2023 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. Hear from TSN's Russ Howard. You're listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. J.C. Abbott from Three Down Nation will join us a little bit later in the program. And Luke Mullender on this Friday afternoon. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball. And right now we go out on to the Western Pizza Hotline to try and tee up the 2023 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts with TSN's very own Russ Howard. Russ, I read a while back that you were living in Regina and are a gigantic Rough Riders fan. Can you confirm this to be the case? Well, that, that, that's a rule, isn't it? Once once you get there, you have to be a giant Rough Rider fan. But I, uh, ironically, my best friend, Grand Odishaw, uh, grew up, um, I, I curled with him for 12, 13 years in uh, Moncton, New Brunswick. We went to a few Briars, and he was from Saskatoon. So he had me uh, a Rider fan a long, long time ago before I moved. Very good. Well, that's part of your citizenship requirement in Saskatchewan. Is uh, is that you cheer for that one? Right. You cheer for the green and white, and we'll ask you some uh, well, not football related questions, but rivalry related questions. I know there are rivalries um, in the game of curling at at the Scotties. Um, we saw the bubble in Calgary. Um, I remember watching the competition in Thunder Bay during uh, the COVID period when things just didn't really feel normal. And I know there are a lot of businesses, industries that are trending in the right direction, and we're still not quite fully back at normal. And when I say normal, I mean pre-pandemic. Uh, you're out at the Scotties. Does it feel like we're back to normal with the Scotties yet? That's a wonderful question, and you bring up Thunder Bay, uh, the Scotties with the uh, pandemic. I spent 13 days in my hotel room, wasn't allowed out with COVID, so you're right. It wasn't very normal, certainly for me. Um, I, I, I've been at the rink three times already, and uh, it, it's it's normal so far, but we haven't had any crowds in there yet, and I heard the ticket sales are good. I heard the ticket sales are great for the Briar, and I think that'll be when... Uh, you know, the lights go on and the uh, curlers start and, they, and they, we get that murmur in the crowd. That's that's what I've missed in the last couple of years is just that crowd interaction and the um, 
especially out west, uh, everybody's so knowledgeable, and it's it's neat to walk through the uh, foyer going to lunch, the run, lunch room or something, and somebody saying, you know, why did Anderson play that shot in the fifth end? And it, it's it's pretty amazing how uh, in tune some of the fans really are with the uh, the strategy. TSN curling analyst Russ Howard joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Uh, I told my wife over lunch today that we were going to have you on the program, and she said, uh, ooh, ask him about the uh, the rivalry or matchup between uh, Jennifer Jones and Caitlin Laws. Um, uh, Caitlin Laws comes in as a, a wild card, I believe, and Jennifer Jones is representing Manitoba. Uh, is that one of the key matchups for viewers watching on TSN to look for? Well, 100%, no question. You know, they played together, were so successful to, you know, two icons of the game. And they, uh, I, I'm not sure how that breakup happened, but it kind of looks like uh, Caitlin wanted to skip. Uh, as soon as that happened, I think uh, one of the other team members decided to pack it in and go somewhere else. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, Jennifer, I believe, now I, I'm not sure I got the story exactly right, that was she was kind of on her own. And to pick up the three uh, young ones, uh, albeit world curling champions, um, that was a bold move for Jennifer, and it's it, she's she's done what Jennifer always does: thirteen bond spiels, five more mixed doubles with uh, Brent, her husband, two or three training weekends with my brother, all the way out to Winnipeg from because she lives in Toronto now, or on the on um, north of Toronto, up where I came from. Um, she's just worked really, really hard, and the team's got a lot better, and they're ready to go. And of course, uh, so's Caitlin. So. Not only is it intriguing from their history, but it's just two great teams. I, I once saw uh, Wayne Madaw, who's done some curling with uh, with your brother, um, and he was on Michael Landsberg's Off the Record show that he used to have on TSN. And uh, he, he was telling Michael that there are some bitter rivalries in the sport of curling that people don't understand. And it doesn't get hyped up like it does in maybe some of the other sports, like um, football, hockey, because those are more, you know, contact sports, etc. Um that's a real thing, isn't it? Like, there's there are rivalries that stew beneath the surface that we never hear about, we never see, and we know nothing about as viewers because it's just not showcased in this sport, but it's still there. That, that's a really good question. You're absolutely right. You know, I curled, I was lucky enough to curl with Wayne for five years, and, you know, we had a rivalry with Pat Ryan and uh, Kevin Martin and um, um, Rick Folk. We lost the Briar final one year to Folk. We beat him the next year, or vice versa. Uh, what tends to happen is that at the very elite level, a lot like, uh, you know, um, Jennifer and Caitlin, um, you, you see each other a lot and you know each other's strengths and weaknesses. And uh, in my case, we had Eddie Wernick that we kind of knew going to the provincials. If, if we didn't win, it was probably because of Eddie. And if Eddie won, you know, he might end up being the world curling champion all the way from Ontario. So it, it, uh, it, it not, not necessarily because you hated each other. I think it was just that they were in your way. And, um, you know, the top teams, uh, if the same guy's in your way a lot, you, you tend to not like them. <laughs> yeah, a lot of rivalries aren't really built off of hatred. It's um, both, right. both sides yeah. want the same thing. <laughs> and somebody stands. That's, that's the problem. That's yeah. <laughs> the problem. If they gave out, uh, you know, two Briar Tankards and two uh, Scotty's Tankards or whatever it is, they, uh, it would be different, but they don't. So it, it and it, it's a small community at the top. It really is. You know, you how how long has Jennifer been at the top? Um, you know, uh, Holman, for instance, uh, Anderson's won three in a row. There, you know, there's only three or four teams. If you're a betting man, they're going to win this thing. 
Uh, now there's a whole bunch of uh, teams in here this year, especially this year, more than ever, that are going to upset these top teams. Um, probably not on a regular basis, but there's going to be some upsets. And uh, But you're right, the rivalry, it's... Uh, it's uh, they won't admit it on uh, over the mic, but it's there. Getting out of Manitoba is probably just like a Scotty's tournament of hearts, but now at least we have the wild card. So we've got three teams from Manitoba, including uh, Jennifer Jones representing Manitoba. Uh, when I look at this field and I think about Saskatchewan's chances, Robin Silvernacle, not a surprise that she would get back to the Scotties. Um, great. Pretty remarkable story, everything she's had to go through in her personal life lately. When I'm trying to think of her chances and, and their team's chances of winning, whew, I look at the field and I think that's a pretty crowded field. I, I feel like she's going to be in pretty tough uh, to even get to the finals, isn't she, with a, with a crowd like this? Oh, no kidding. I, no, you know, in her, I think in her pool, I'm just trying to look at it quickly, I, I took Anderson Laws and Grandy to get through. Um, you know, Anderson Laws, here we go again, you know, they're the top two of the top teams for sure in the pool. So there's only one spot left. And uh, Grandy's played like a million games this year. She, they've got Eve, or they've got um, Nicholas Adine uh, coaching their team uh, this week, and not too many people know that yet. And um, where, 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 do you, where do you put Silvernagle? They're a great team, but you've got uh, Skrillex that's played really well. Uh, Black from Nova Scotia. Christensen with uh, Suzanne Burt. It's always a perennial close one. And uh, Robin. So it, it, there's just it's such rarefied air. I, but they're that good. It's I love the team. It's a great story. They uh, they didn't play a game together till the fourth of January. And um, you know you get that Scottish connection that's been to the um, Olympics three times. Uh, they are going to surprise somebody now it's it hopefully in their case it's one of those top two teams so they can crack the uh, lineup and get into the playoffs what can you tell us about team none of it i'm always curious about them and i know the format changed a while back and there was some debate whether it was the right decision or the wrong decision personally i love the fact we have representation from every province i love seeing the wild cards because there's so many great wild card teams uh, year after year um are, are we getting close to the point where Nunavut can be a serious competitor in this sport? Not just the Scotties, but just overall? No, I'm afraid not. I don't think so. Not yet. Uh, McPhail played four spiels uh, down east. Uh, you know, some of the team is from there, and that, that which which is a wonderful thing to do. That's hard to do from there. The, the cost, the time away from work, family. Uh, that's the big problem there. And in a lot of the cases, it's the ice surface. I know um, Galusha. They went up to uh, have a kind of a training weekend, and the uh, the arena, which was owned, I believe, by the town, was on strike, and they uh, they couldn't throw rocks. So there's there's a lot more hurdles to cross uh, from those northern teams, and I, I they didn't do well in any of the four spiels, and this is the toughest Scotties to make the final three I've ever seen. Normally, normally it's the top four in each pool to start with. Last year they changed that, but so now you've only got three spots. And don't forget, you know, back in when I played, uh, when it started my career, there was no Team Canada, and there were no three wild card spots. Mm. So there's four great teams, like great teams, um, that have been added to the field, and now there's only three in your pool. So unfortunately, I don't think they're quite to that uh, rarefied area yet. 
chatting with TSN curling analyst uh, Russ Howard here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Uh, first draw tonight at 8 o'clock Saskatchewan time in Kamloops. I understand that uh, it's you, it's Vic, uh, it's Brian Mudrick, Kathy Goche, Joanne Courtney all doing the broadcast duties. Uh, I know it's a real grind once you get out. You know, you do the Scotties, you do the Briar, you do the World Championships and sometimes other events, etc. And I talk to a lot of my friends who travel around uh, doing football broadcasting or hockey broadcasting, and it feels like a grind when you're on the road so much. But then when you get to the offseason, you kind of miss it a little bit. Uh, does a long yeah. offseason help you enjoy getting back into the grind of traveling around to all these events? Yeah, it, 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 you're you're right in all parts. It's 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 very. Uh, I just love it, and it's it's like it's the next best thing to still competing, which I you know I don't do. Uh, you know, I had breakfast with some of my buddies today. We haven't been together since October. Uh, it's been a weird season. Normally, there's an event in uh, maybe late November, one in December for sure, one in January for sure. This year, it's been a different calendar, so we feel like we've had almost a season off. But now we just go insane. I have uh, I have three days at home in Regina between two days ago and the 10th or 11th of April. It's because all four events are stacked right together. You've got travel times, you have you know, a time to prepare, and uh, there's just not a lot of time. So it's it's four tough events in a row, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it any other way. I love I love the crew. Everybody in this TSN crew are just unbelievable. They just bend over backwards to make us look good. And uh, we have a lot of fun uh, when we, we have the chance, which is usually two nights ago and last night and after that it's 12 hour days <laughs> <laughs> just back to back the bullets start flying well um yeah, that's right. yeah and then exactly. and then you're on adrenaline from there russ hey listen uh we never have enough time but uh, i want to thank you so much for doing this and for the great work that you're doing on tsn a lot of fans just love uh watching the curling on tsn particularly our listeners here in saskatchewan so have a great tournament and uh, enjoy your time in kamloops great thank you thanks so much that is Russ Howard joining us on the Sports Cage, teeing up the 2023 Scotty's Tournament of Hearts, which gets going tonight in Kamloops. Again, the first draw is tonight at 8 o'clock Saskatchewan time. You can watch it. Uh, listen to the Sports Cage, have supper, and flip on TSN and watch the Scotties tonight. Time to break. You're listening to the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. All right, back with your sports ticker. It's 332, and as for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Just give them a call at 781-2090. Some signings in the Canadian Football League today. Former Ticat receiver Lamar Durant has signed in Ottawa. Former Argos defensive back Chris Edwards inks a deal in Hamilton. Defensive back Siante Evans signs in Montreal. Defensive back Sherard Baltimore stays in Ottawa, signing a deal with the Red Blacks. And the Stampeders signed former Argos linebacker Micah Awe and uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers re-signed receiver Rashid Bailey. And happy birthday, happy 60th, goes out to the one and only Michael Jordan. Oglethorpe. Ogie Oglethorpe. You're Oglethorpe. 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 You know, for the sake of the game, they ought to throw this guy in San Quentin. He is a criminal element. The worst goon in hockey today. Oh, yeah. Real cemented. What are you guys doing? Putting on the foil. Every game. Yeah, you want some? No. 
Well, it's Friday inside the sports cage, and it's time for another senior hockey report. And I'll tell you what, people in the Carlisle area, they're not happy with their senior hockey team. And the Neuter guys have an absolute crazy story about a local protest going on. Also, a new top 10 and some tier 1 matchups in the CKRM area this weekend. Here's the Nooner boys. All right, it's time for the Monday Nooner Senior Hockey Report here in the sports cage for this week. Playoffs are humming along here in Saskatchewan. Got a bunch of big provincial games going on. Yeah, people are fired up in the province. That's one way to put it. Yeah, Carlisle, I heard there I heard there's a lot of stuff going on down there. I heard the grandma or grandpa somebody's really fired up. There was a note, Shane. There was a note left on the door of the Carlisle rink from a uh, disgruntled local, I guess you could say. Whether the person is actually a local of Carlisle or not, we don't know. But the note was along the lines of the Carlisle Cougars are spending ten grand a game to win senior hockey games. Your team's not that good. I used to be a Carlisle fan. I'm not anymore. Not happy that kind of money is being spent. It's like people think it's taxpayers' money or something that is being given to these guys to play senior hockey. I love it. Grandpa and Grammar fired up the grandson, didn't make the cut for provincials. Oh, yeah, you just got to start leaving notes on the doors of every rink. Whatever's whatever's chapping your hide when it comes to senior hockey, just leave a note on the door of your local <laughs> hockey rink. Okay, now, guys, let's before we get going to our top 10 here, there are some right bangers of games in oh, the yeah. 620 CKRM listening area this weekend. I'm going to start up in Drake, and that is something else, right? A Provincials Game 1, Drake hosting Kindersley. Going to be an absolute fantastic series. And I've said it. I'll say it right now on the sports case. The winner of this series is going to win A Provincials. Hot there, take, I said it. Hot take alert. You can't count out two of the teams that are playing Saturday in Belcaris. It's the Polar Dome. A lot of great hockey players have played for the Belcaris Bronx, but they're taking on a great team from Winyard. The Monarchs from Winyard go into Belcaris 7.30 Saturday night. If you're looking for a little roadie, great little restaurant, little uh, pizza they serve up in the Belcaris rink, go check it out. Take uh, your wife or your girlfriend or your kids and enjoy it. Absolute great time for senior hockey. Now, the senior hockey top 10 that we had on our podcast, don't forget to uh, to listen. If you didn't listen to the Corey Cross interview that we had earlier last week, unbelievable interview. Find us the Monday Nooner on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you want to go. Now, the top 10, I'm going to start, boys, with our honorable mentions this week. Rock City, Rokenville. We have Lashburn from the Sask Alta and Delisle, the Bruins from the Sask Valley, making the honorable mentions. We fire up number 10 here, guys. By the time this comes out, this game will have been settled, but we kind of put an asterisk in here. It's going to be Davidson or Leroy, whoever wins that game this weekend. Number nine on the top 10, the Wilkie Outlaws. Number eight, the Theodore Buffaloes. Number seven, the Wadena Wildcats. Number six, the Redvers Rockets. Number five, the Belcaris Bronx. Number four from the Sask Valley, the Kyle Elks. Three, the Winshared Monarchs. Number two, the Kindersley Senior Clippers. And number one, no question, no doubt, the Keniston Blizzard. Yeah, a lot of great senior hockey in the province of Saskatchewan. No matter where you live in southern Saskatchewan, there's going to be a good game close to you somewhere, probably three, four, five nights a week. So watch a lot of these great former junior and pro players light it up. And uh, yeah, take it in. Senior hockey is a great, great sport here in the province. 
All right, Zinger, you heard it. Go watch some senior hockey. Back to you guys in the studio. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball on this Friday edition of the Sports Cage. I'm all fired up after that senior hockey report. It's awesome, huh? Go watch some senior hockey this weekend. Just wanted to say on the air, the Belcaris Broncos. Belcaris Broncos. Raising the roof in Belcaris. You know, when I went to broadcast college in Saskatoon, Barney, who you heard on there, one of our salespeople here, used to co-host Sportsline on STV and then Global. And I remember we saw him in the grocery store, and it was like, that's Barney Shankrook. Yeah, Sparks flew. Star talent walking the halls here at Harvard Broadcasting. I should mention as well, you can chime in on the discussion on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line at 306-936-6262. Follow us on Twitter at SportsCage. And also you can call us toll free at 1-866-767-0620. Speaking of star talent, Mr. Brendan McGuire. Our next guest. There has been a massive derby on the Canadian Football League free agent front. And when the game of musical chairs ended, our next guest ended with his fifth team and also has proven that there is some money in Montreal, that they can get some stars in there. Welcome to the program, new Alouettes receiver Greg Ellingson. Welcome to the Sports Cage. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Where are you uh, calling from today? Are you are you in Montreal or are you somewhere else? Oh, I'm down in uh, I'm down in Florida right now, watching the snow melt. Oh my goodness! Well, we're jealous. Although the weather's pretty good here uh, on this Friday, um, why Montreal? Let's start with that. I mean, there's a few few reasons. Uh, there's a couple other teams that were in the mix, uh, mainly uh, Saskatchewan and Calgary. But um, you know, when looking at it, and you know, as far as you know, quarterback situation, and uh, you know, it, it seems like Cody had uh, had something to prove. You know, a little chip on his shoulder. Uh, you know, he's shown that he can he can ball and he he, he can uh, lead teams uh, team to win um, over the past couple of years. Um, kind of, he I, I know he could give a testament to this, but he felt like he got disserviced a little bit with the situation there. And you know, when you have a guy that's got a you know fire underneath him and, and a chip on his shoulder, that's always uh, a good situation to be in. And other than that. Uh, the second reason would probably be, you know, Moss. Um, I've had plenty of time to play with him when we were in Ottawa. He was the offense coordinator there. And uh, his first year and or second year in uh, Edmonton 2019, you know, we were one game away from the Grey Cup. And, uh, you know, he got uh, kind of got the can on that one, which kind of seemed uh, a little bit bizarre. But, um, you know, I saw that he was getting the head job there, getting another opportunity to show that we could, he could do. And, you know, he's been a great coach, uh, a, good, a good call up play caller um someone that has a lot of energy and knows how to really get the guys motivated and then uh i think the third reason is uh the city you know montreal is a beautiful city i've had some time there when i was in ottawa for four years you know we drive over hour and a half and uh, have a weekend there or something with the family or friends that came into town if we had a bye week and i've always loved the city so you know those three combinations right there kind of uh give you a reason of why i went there Rider fans will be curious to know about how close were the riders in the uh, in the discussions, and uh, was it just as simple as the three things you mentioned, the reason why you chose Montreal over Saskatchewan, or were, were there monetary concerns as well? Um, I mean, that always plays a factor, but not the, the major thing, you know. I mean, there was quite a difference in uh, the, the offering there, which, I, you know, does does play a part because, you know, you know, your livelihood as a player is, 
you know, I get to play football for so long, and if the money is a, a there's a big difference, then that's going to make you lean one way. But um, other than that, yeah, I mean, it was really close. They were probably the the second one that was uh, the highest, and you know, the offering, but also, you know, the, all the coaches called me from there. Um, the GM, you know, talked to him quite a bit. You know, Trevor Harris was lobbying me pretty hard to try to get over there as he usually does. Um, it just, you know, it didn't end up working out, and then, uh, you know, I made my decision. New Montreal Alouette receiver Greg Ellingson joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Uh, do you do you have a pretty good relationship with Trevor Harris uh, from your time together playing in uh, in Edmonton and in Ottawa? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we, we talk all the time. Uh, that's regardless of uh, if we're playing together or not. You know, we always chat throughout the season, wish each other well, and. You know, when he was in Montreal last year and he was doing his thing, I, and I was in Winnipeg, you know, even though we're not teammates, still uh, friends, and we've always had a good relationship. And I imagine, you know, going to battle with like that so much that uh, we probably always will. Uh, you're now on your fifth team, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, and one thing that CFL fans have complained a little bit about is uh, wanting to attach themselves to a superstar, wanting to buy a jersey and, and feel like they're not going to have to replace it after two or three years. Um, that's not always realistic in the world of professional football. We see that down in the NFL, too. Um, as a player... Um, does that grade on you after a while, having to switch from team to team, or is it not that big a deal if you're if you're living outside the country? Uh, man, I mean, I think um, most players are going to want to stay in the, the same city. Um, if I could go back in time and things could have worked out with Ottawa, then, I, you know, I would have still been there. You know, I love that city. I was there for four years. But um, that's, that's the tough thing about being a player is, you know, your uh, representation of what they value you is very closely related to the contract offers they give you. So if you feel like the offer would make you uh, expendable in that sense and you know that maybe they're not putting much in value in you as uh, you would like and another team is then you kind of have to lean one way or the other you know is there one team that you uh, used to play for that you look forward to playing against the most Ooh, I think that's changed over time when yeah. I first went to Ottawa I felt like I had a little bit of chip on my shoulder because uh, you know ha- Hamilton uh, you know kind of the same situation they uh really lowballed me with the offer and you know ottawa really came in and and, and showed that they wanted me to come there when henry burris made the move there and they were rebuilding that team in the second year and you know they brought in a couple guys uh receivers you know not huge contracts but guys that they, they believed in and you know in four years there went to three great cups so you, know, you kind of see you know how that works out and, and it's always not the player's choice either right like you know you're, maybe you're not going to get a two three year offer uh, with with a team and, and maybe you don't even want that if there's not any guaranteed money in it but I think uh, most players around the league if, if you have the opportunity to stick with a team uh, you're going to want to do that So you mentioned that Saskatchewan probably finished in second place in the Greg Ellingson sweepstakes so where does uh, Winnipeg fall in into that discussion did they reach out for an offer or were they kind of silent um, I'd say there, there's you know some interest in seeing what was going on there at first, but once they uh, really put their target on the you know Kenny Lawler and yeah. you know they were going to go that direction. I mean, Mike O'Shea called me and uh, let me know that that was the game plan, so they're probably not going to be able to bring me back. And you know I, I really respect him and that organization for that. You know he he is a 
he is a great coach and it was a pleasure to play there for a year and he really does it the right way and that's kind of a testament to you know doing that right there is not many coaches our GMs, when you do part ways, are going to even think to reach out to a player that, you know, was only there for a year. But, um, you know, he did that, and I really respected that. And, um, you know, that's something that, as a player, that really means a lot to you. Greg, uh, one thing that Canadian football fans have always, well, I shouldn't say always, but on and off again have worried about are some of these um, leagues that spring up out of nowhere. Uh, it, It goes back to... Even the 1970s, when the World Football League came up and then disappeared, uh, the USFL came up and disappeared in the 80s, um, and then more recently we had the you know XFL point uh, one, XFL 2.0, now 3.0, and the Alliance of American Football, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And there's always a worry of a talent drain uh, of players heading south. Uh, we had our good friend Glenn Suter on last night, and we talked at length about it and agree that, you know, it's probably going to take a five- or ten-year period of that to really be an issue uh, before we can really study the data and see what the impacts are. Uh, I've always had the impression that these leagues really target the young players right out of college, and yet we saw Darnell Sankey, a veteran linebacker, sign with the Arlington Renegades of the XFL. Um, have you ever been approached by or had interest as a, an elite player with signing uh, with any of these leagues um, as a player now into your 30s? Oh, I haven't. Not, not recently, no. And I don't even think my uh, agent really took the time to explore those options just because, you know, uh, I want to be in the CFL. It's, it's a place that, you know, I was... And for the first couple of years, and was getting tryouts with the NFL, and was kind of bouncing back and forth. With uh, at the end of each of my contracts, I would go down for tryouts and you know try to crack a spot there, and uh, didn't end up happening. And then, you know, after the I'd say second or third round of times doing that, you know, I kind of just had it in my head that the CFL was home. You know, I, I grew to love it. I grew to love to be in Canada. Um, you know, living there for a winter and. You know, I was comfortable with uh, knowing that that's where I was going to spend the rest of my career. And, um, you know, once you hit a certain age, though, uh, I guess the the guys down south aren't really looking to bring in an older guy. And, you know, there's such a huge pool of, you know, college D1, I mean, what, over 130? And even D2, D3, there's, you know, a lot of other, other great players that come out of, you know, those universities. So um, I think it's good for football in general is to have a bigger pool and, you really give opportunities uh, for guys that, you know, it's their dream to play football and they spend four years in university, uh, you know, really honing on their craft and loving the game. And sometimes, you know, they don't even get the opportunities, even though they're great players to really get a, get an opportunity to, you know, stick somewhere. I mean, you look at guys bouncing back and forth, CFL, NFL, that are just looking for that chance for a coach to take, you know, an extra look at them and uh, for them to actually get the opportunity to go out there and prove what they can do. So I think it's good for the game of football. And, uh, you know, even though some guys might be, you know, switching that are household names uh, down south, I guarantee you there's going to be another Dalton shown this year that uh, comes up, nobody knows, and uh, really takes, uh, you know, the, the league and, and, and each team by surprise. And, Greg, you've been such a productive receiver for so long. I mean, your first year in the league, I believe, 2013. Fast forward, is 2023. Just looking at, uh, just looking through the rosters and stuff, you're turning 35 in uh, December. How many good year? How many more good years of football does Greg Ellingson have in him? 
Um, I feel like I'm going to go with I just turned 34 on December 30th. That's right. That's right. It yeah, glass half full zinger, <laughs> not glass half empty. For some reason, I thought we're mid season right now. Let's not bring that up yet. Um, you know, that, that, that's I, I like really my wife said I was 40 it. when I was still a month before 40. I said, I'm not 40 yet, but sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> that's right. I'm 34 in two months, so let's get the record straight. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, um, people have asked me that the past couple of years, and I've never really noticed uh, any, a drop off in my production. Um, yeah, I got hurt last year, but you know, it's kind of the game of football is stuff happens that are kind of out of your control. I've been fortunate enough to be healthy most of my career. Um, you know, just uh, I guess eventually the luck ran out on uh, last season with an injury. But uh, I think that, you know, over time, just. I didn't really think about it at all. I just kept playing, and when people ask me how long I'm going to play for, I just revert back to my trainings in the off season because every year I train with combine guys that are coming out um, of college trying to do their NFL pro days or get an opportunity to camp somewhere or go to tryouts. And whenever I am not competing with those guys in the off season and not leading the groups and not, you know, kicking these young guys' butts. Uh, around in workouts, then that's the day that I think I'll know that it's probably my last year, and it hasn't happened yet. And another thing is, I look at all you know all the great receivers uh, that have been in Canada, the, the Milt Eagles, and uh, seeing how long they played for, and you know you look at their resumes, and it's like 14 years. So I'm like, ah, this is year 10. I think you know I'll probably go another four years or so. Seems about right for me. Well, I know you've had a pretty big uh, legacy in this country, just especially with your time. You know, when I think about it, I think about the role you played in the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. And, uh, you know, for someone who grew up in anyone who grows up in Canada or a lot of people who grew up in this country know that Ottawa went 40 years without winning a national championship. Um, so it's great to see you still really making your mark all these years later. Um, thanks for doing this and enjoy what's left of the off season. I know training camp's not that far away and good luck in 2023. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. And, uh, feel free to reach out anytime. You know, uh, love to be on. Thanks, Greg. That, that Appreciate is you. Greg Ellingson, receiver for the Montreal Alouettes, who we will not see at Mosaic Stadium this year. The geniuses who made the schedule uh, scheduled just one Montreal-Saskatchewan game. We will see the uh, quarterback swap go head-to-head just once this season. Time to break. You're listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The Friday Chase the Ace segment coming up a little bit later on the show with our very own program director here at 620 CKRM, Abby White. And we will also go around the SJHL with Jamie Neugebauer, the voice of the Notre Dame Hounds. And Sean Bain Jr., the new receiver for the Rough Riders, uh, in conversation. That will come up just after the 5 o'clock news here on the sports cage. Uh, just before the break, we were chatting with Greg Ellingson, the new receiver for the Montreal Alouettes. And, you know, early on in the conversation, we asked him, why why Montreal? And he said, first thing he said was, well, you know, the quarterback, he's got something to prove. And I'm thinking in my mind, <laughs> well, Saskatchewan was bidding. You were choosing between Montreal, Saskatchewan, and apparently somebody else. And you're talking about the quarterback. You have lots of familiarity with the new quarterback who the Riders just signed. Were you choosing Cody Fajardo over Trevor Harris? But then as we carried on in the <laughs> yeah. conversation, I think, he, the I, think he, I think he dumped cold water on that. It sounds yeah. like he's he has a pretty good relationship with Trevor Harris, and it sounds like 
It just came down to the Benjamins. I mean, uh, the players never so. the players never like to uh, to admit that. And and I don't disagree with the fact that if you have an employer who gives you a low offer and somebody with a much bigger offer, it's not just about money. It's about respect, mm-hmm. right? Oh, absolutely. So at the end of the day, I don't think you can blame a player for doing it for the money. And let's be honest. Um, a CFL career isn't super long, and it's not super lucrative either. Uh, I had a couple of buddies arguing with me that some of these guys are overpaid, and I said, no, uh-uh. If you have to leave the sport and go start doing something else when you're in your mid-30s or 40s, that's a pretty tough transition. We'll, we'll talk to Luke Mullinder in the last half yeah. hour, and he and I talked about this once. He said, it's hard to find something to get passionate about like you are about the sport of football. Um, There was one guy who played with the Riders a little bit in the 80s, Rick Klassen, who passed away a little while ago. He was a huge star with the BC Lions. And they showed a clip of him sacking Tom Clements in the end zone at BC Place. And the stadium was full. And it was so loud. And he does his little sack dance. And he said, there is no drug on earth that will ever replace the adrenaline you get from that. So I think uh, that's for, why Tom Brady played so long. <laughs> that, that's part of it. Yeah. That's part of it. It's and like it, an addiction. It's hard. It's hard they to love competition. Well, it's hard to go away from it, but it's also hard to get that excited about the next phase. And I'm saying these athletes need a soft landing if they're going to have to do that. And so that's why I still think even guys who are getting the big money contracts, Geno Lewis, 320 grand, he's the best receiver in the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and we see we see much bigger contracts in major league sports. Those guys are overpaid. I don't even think that the major league athletes are overpaid because you got to remember, vast majority of them get the league minimum. Guys in the NFL, guys in the uh, major league baseball, you know, getting I think it's seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. None of that bothers contracts. There are some. I'm not sure that Tom Brady needs to. You know, I'm not sure Michael Jordan needs to be worth a billion dollars. But I, I, I did find the one. Co- I did find that comment kind of interesting, though, when he said Cody Fajardo had something to prove. Like you can make the argument that Trevor Harris just has as much to prove as Cody Fajardo. I mean, Trevor Harris is a guy that people talk about. You know, what's the narrative around him? He hasn't won the big one. You know, he just puts mm-hmm. up numbers, yada yada yada. So I, I think both those guys just have just as much to prove than anyone really. I wonder if some of it stems from the fact it feels like Cody has a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder yeah. than than Trevor Harris. Like does, Trevor but. Trevor's also a guy who's moved on from a couple teams now too, so it's like, you know Yeah, he was lowballed in Ottawa, he was benched yeah. in Edmonton, you know? Yes, so exactly so he just he wasn't quite as vocal about it as uh Mr. Fajardo was. You can chime in on Twitter at Sports Cage. Also don't forget you can text in on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line three oh six Nine three six sixty two sixty two. Call us toll free at one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. Time to break. We'll be back with more. You're listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio six twenty CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on, and now starting an hour earlier. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball. Here's Brendan McGuire. Still ahead on this Friday edition of the Sports Cage for Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Chase the Ace, and also we'll do a check-in on the SJHL. You won't want to miss hearing from the Riders' newest receiver pickup, Sean Bain Jr. And Luke Mullinder for the final half hour will join us on the program here tonight. Before that, Zinger and I 
are joined on the Western Pizza Hotline by Three Down Nations, J.C. Abbott. And J.C., I'm looking at some of the pieces that you've been working on, slaving over a hot keyboard for threedownnation.com. First of all, Trevor Harris, is he the right guy for Saskatchewan at this point? Yes, I think he is. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, you know, he played extremely good football last year for the Montreal Alouettes. I was very impressed with him. I had my doubts about Trevor Harris after his previous season in Edmonton, but he cast that all aside last year. I thought really had an exceptional campaign, and he's going to improve this Riders team just from the way he plays the game. Obviously, there's still issues up front with the offensive line. That's not going to be an overnight fix. But because Trevor Harris can get the ball out of his hand so much faster than Cody Fajardo does, just by the way they play the game, that's going to eliminate a lot of those hits, a lot of those sacks. It's going to make the offense work much more effectively going into next season. When Kelly Jeffrey was introduced to the media as a new offensive coordinator, he went on and on and on about how he wanted a quarterback who could get the get the ball out quickly and get the quick and easy completion. And uh, to me, that said Trevor Harris. And I remember we would have discussions about it. And the general consensus was, yeah, Brendan, you're right. But the chances of that happening are about one in a gazillion. Trevor Harris loves Jason Moss. He loves Danny Machocha. They've effectively rescued his career uh, by hitching their wagon to him in Montreal over Vernon Adams Jr., and I'm talking about Danny Machocha. It's stunning, isn't it, that it all came apart and happened this way, that he didn't resign in Montreal? It really is, and and it's not Danny Machocha's fault at all or Jason Moss's, right? This is the unfortunate reality of, of the ownership chaos that's been going on with the Montreal Alouettes as of late. Fortunately, I think we're well on the way to that being rectified with the league taking over the team, but it came too little too late for Trevor Harris because he had to make a decision quickly when the league's negotiation window opened ahead of free agency so he could try and recruit some guys to come play with him wherever he was going to end up. He ultimately decided Saskatchewan very early in that process, and so that eliminated the possibility of him going back to Montreal once Danny Machocha was given the go-ahead to actually spend money because that was the situation he was facing. He was told by the previous ownership group, the estate of the late Sid Spiegel, to not spend a dime in free agency. He couldn't re-sign Trevor Harris when they were having communications before the opening of that window. And so it just created this situation that was awful for the Alouettes, but perfect for the Riders to snag a guy who I didn't think they really had a shot at just a few weeks prior. My good pal from Three Down Nation, J.C. Abbott, joins us from the West Coast on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Hey, just one more on the riders before we move on to other things. Uh, you'd mentioned that the Rough Rider O-line is uh, still a work in progress. Peter Godber coming over from the BC Lions, a team that you followed very closely uh, last season, and also getting Philip Blake in the fold. Uh, they used two import spots last year and have signed up a bunch more imports who could play tackle this year. You don't feel like they've done enough? Uh, or, or do you think it's possible that with the pieces that they have added via free agency, that maybe the Riders have fixed their O-line woes? I think they've made a slight improvement. I like the addition of Philip Blake. He's uh, he's up there in age now. I believe he's 37. 
but he played extremely effectively at left tackle for the Toronto Argonauts last season, a position which has not been his his standard spot in the CFL. He's usually played guard, but he can really start at almost any spot along that offensive line for the Riders, gives them the flexibility to potentially have a Canadian at tackle. As for Peter Godber, he's a guy I'm, I'm much less high on, BMAC. Um, he was one of my favorite players when he came out in the draft. I absolutely loved him. was so happy that the Lions drafted him. Unfortunately, he struggled with injury early in his CFL career. I don't think he's necessarily gotten all his strength back. I'm not sure he's an upgrade in terms of talent over what they had in Dan Clark. Now, Clark, of course, is 34 years old, going on 35, so age is a factor there. Godber is much younger, and that's the direction that the Riders have to trend. But he's not a a player that I think is going to come in and all of a sudden revolutionize that offensive line. The reality is this is going to be a slow process, and it's going to have to come from a system perspective as well. I saw it a few years ago in BC, right? First of all, you have to come in with the right coaching, sort of get the group to gel together, even if you're not necessarily upgrading talent at every spot, and then you have to find the right quarterback who can protect the offensive line because it's a symbiotic relationship when it comes to pass protection, having a guy who makes the right reads and gets the ball out so he can protect his offensive lineman. The Riders have taken steps in that right direction. I don't know if they've necessarily upgraded their talent, right? It's going to be a more slow process, and it's going to be a more cohesive unit approach rather than just grabbing a guy who's going to fix all your problems. That doesn't work up front. JC, I might be putting you on the spot with this one, but I'm just trying to you know, wrap my head around this one. Darnell Sankey going down to the XFL. Uh, reportedly, I think it was he turned down around $160,000 to remain with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So I just did some late-night Google searches last night, and XFL players roughly on average get paid about $60,000. Is this a scenario where it's actually more than just money that goes into this decision? Can you tell us any more about Darnell Sankey uh, deciding to take his talents to Texas? Yeah, it's, it's an unfortunate situation for the player in, in my mind. And, and Sankey had some issues with my report, which was accurate, that he turned down an offer from the Riders that would have made him one of the top-paid American linebackers in the league because he wanted more money. But unfortunately, there just wasn't anyone in the CFL willing to pay him that once he got to the open market. And by turning down the Riders the team moved on, right? They paid that money to Larry Dean, and they have Micah Tights at Will Linebacker, so they're set at that position, and that was the case at many spots across the league where teams just weren't willing to put the the money at that position because they feel like, A, it's a spot where production is inherent, right? No matter who you put there, they're going to be productive, so it's not necessarily a high-value position, but also Sankey is you know, a unique player for the CFL in that he's more of an American-style linebacker. He's 245 pounds. He's fantastic between the tackles, excellent in the run game, comes downhill with force. He's not necessarily as versatile or as le- as athletic in space as someone like 
an Adam Big Hill or a Winton McManus who commands huge dollars in the CFL because of their versatility. He's not that guy. So teams made the determination on Sankey that he simply wasn't worth paying what he was asking for. And so he got left without a spot to go to, is, is just the reality. Now he'll go down to the XFL. Uh, there's a potential for him with win bonuses to make a decent chunk of change there. And quite frankly, he might have a better shot at you know catching on at the back end of an NFL roster for training camp down there, perhaps his last NFL shot, than he ever would have had if he stayed in the CFL. Because you simply don't look at 28-year-old players from Canada as NFL options. You might if you're looking for training camp fodder out of one of these spring leagues. But he's a guy who just simply was left without any other options in the CFL, and that's why he's going to have to take a pay cut south of the border. I think a lot of people would argue that the Rough Riders are maybe overinvested at that linebacker spot, um, uh, having Derek Moncrief and, like you said, Larry Dean, who they who they brought back, and Darnell Sankey, and it just didn't work out for them last year, and they needed to spread the wealth around a little bit more. But that said, as you pointed out, the window was open for him to sign back in Saskatchewan. The last thing I just wanted to, to point out on that front, Sankey's not a young player right out of college, and there's always been this feeling that these leagues, including the XFL, have been focusing on like the rookie talent. We heard from uh, uh, Greg Ellingson, nobody ever approached him from the XFL. He figures they're more focused on the young kids. This is a little bit of an anomaly where the XFL uh, approached 28-year-old Darnell Sankey, isn't it? Well, I'm, to be frank, I'm not sure who approached who. Mm-hmm. Because if, you, if you're sitting in that situation, it might have been a, you know, the scenario where the agent reaches out to the XFL saying, hey, I've got a very extremely talented player who fits your style of game, who doesn't have an option. What are you willing to pay him? So I, I think it was likely that way. The, the XFL and the USFL, you're right. They're not necessarily looking for guys that are up in, you know, veteran players who don't have a shot to go back to the NFL like a Greg Ellenson. They, they want guys who have some cachet in terms of being prospects because their currency is being able to put players in NFL training camps, on NFL rosters and practice rosters to be able to prove that they can be a developmental league, right? That they have those types of players. It's not necessarily in finding, you know, a guy who can stay there for years and years and years because that's not the style of league it is just yet. Just one last one for me, JC, before we let you go. Um, I'm just looking at one piece you did uh, that got posted yesterday. Argo's pretty patient with quarterback McLeod, Bethel Thompson, but admit timeline for return is close to end. Are you getting a sense as to when that deadline is uh, from the Toronto Argonauts for McLeod, Bethel Thompson to either step up or step out? You have to think it would be coming up soon. Now, I don't know anything definitive on that, but the reality is you know, the, the team needs some certainty because they've said in the past they're comfortable with Chad Kelly, they like what they've got in him, but they want to bring in pieces to compete with him, potentially trade for a Dane Evans is one of those options out there to be able to have some stability and competition at the quarterback position. And, and that's just not the reality when you're waiting around for McLeod Bethel Thompson. Now, I was interesting. I was listening to an interview with Cody Fajardo the other day, and he said the Argos were the other team besides the Alouettes who were a finalist for his services, and they came hard after him. So clearly 
they're anticipating the fact that Macbeth might not be back, and, and that's everything we've heard since before the Grey Cup. Now, he said he's not retiring, allegedly, right? That's the report that's out there. But with his family situation, you wonder if he's one of those exceptions to the rule who might reach out to one of these U.S. Spring Leagues if it's a little bit closer to home for him and play there because his wife is extremely successful. Just for listeners out there, she is going to be the head writer and showrunner of a new Disney Plus show for, uh, through Marvel. You know, that's big bank. They have a young daughter. She needs some help on the home front. And so that's the pressure that McLeod Bethel Thompson is facing where it's not as easy as it used to be for him to go up and play six months in Canada because his wife needs a little assistance because now she's the major breadwinner. Well, I find it incredibly bizarre that anyone would turn down millions of dollars to play it, not play in the Canadian Football League. But um, no, I understand. Uh, but I think it would be a great loss to the CFL if we lost McLeod Bethel Thompson. He truly is the most interesting man in football. Hey, JC, we've got to run, but uh, next time you're in town, don't let me forget to introduce you to Jim, the IT guy. He's got uh, BC Lions towel and other kinds of gear in his office. And uh, I'm sure you guys could... Uh, talk up a storm and uh, Zinger and I would would leave the room because you guys would be going on and on about the BC Lions but thanks for this and uh, have a great weekend have a great one BMAC thanks for having me on okay that is JC Abbott from the left coast I've got to take a time out we'll be back with more of the sports cage on the other side you're listening to the voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM Walks his way through the Montreal defense. Backhand. Same multiple rebound. They score. Jarvis cleans up the loose change. Now here's Jarvis. Short-handed for the hat trick. On multiple. Jarvis scores. Here come the hats. Seth Jarvis of the Carolina Hurricanes. Not one, not two. Make it three. Hat trick on Thursday night against the Montreal Canadiens. The Carolina Hurricanes come away with a 6-2 to two win. So yet another loss for Montreal. But hey, another step closer, maybe, to Connor Bedard. I don't know. One can hope. Seth Jarvis, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fan Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Brennan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball on this Friday edition of the Sports Cage. Just around the corner, we'll go down the hall for this week's edition of Chase the Ace. Let's give away some money. You will not want to miss that. Right before the break, um, we heard from J.C. Abbott of Three Down Nation. He was talking about McLeod Bethel-Thompson not making up his mind whether he's going to come back, and something jumped out at me. I was thinking, could he Brett Favre it and just keep them hanging, leave them hanging? He does wear number four. That's what Brett Favre did at I the end of his career. I don't think anybody wants to quote-unquote Brett Favre it. Not these days. <laughs> but I was, I was going to say, um, you know, we always joke that CFL players don't get paid squat. The yeah. reality is, a McLeod Bethel-Thompson would probably make close to a half million bucks Canadian. You do the exchange. And after taxes, it probably works out to, it's got to be at least 200 grand American. 
Yeah. No. Could you not hire a pretty high class nanny for two hundred grand to look after, help Chinakahaj, his wife, look after the kids, and he can fly back and forth if he a, really wants to do well, it. That'd be a dang good nanny. Wow. J.C. Abbott kind of rained on our parade about Peter Godbert, didn't you think? Yeah, a little he bit. Did you know we were feeling good about it, and then voila, squashes us like a little bug under his shoe, huh? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not going to let it bring us down, man. I mean, he's a he's a solid center. He started every single game last year, both playoff games for the Lions. Um, still has a lot of football ahead of him. Like, I mean, I think it's. I, I, you know, brand new quarterback, brand new center, brand new offensive coordinator, those three things together, I think that, that mends well going forward instead of, you know, uh, just a new piece here and a new piece there. If, if It's like if, reset, let's yeah, reset the if, program. If there's going to be change, know? I mean, why not just wipe it across the board? Don't so band-aid. Like it. Yeah. Rip it off and start fresh. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean... Um, O-linemen are usually kind of like a fine wine. They get better with age. So he's still got a lot of years left in him. And Philip Blake, not so much. Mm. <laughs> he's more of a Band-Aid solution there. But don't forget, they still have Logan Bandy. And they still have Logan Furland. We don't know if those guys are going to be great. We don't know if those guys are going to go nowhere. I think that last year was impossible. Was It was an impossible measuring stick. And people made fun of them. And they took photos of them laying all over the field while Cody was scrambling all over the place. Well, that would have happened with anybody who's scrambling like that in behind any offensive line. So maybe we'll get a true measuring stick with uh, Trevor Harris here in 2023. Coming up next, Chase the Ace. Time to break for news on The Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Sports ticker at 431, getting closer here to this week's edition of the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. Chase the Ace Draw coming up here in a few moments. Signings in the Canadian Football League today. Former Ticat receiver Lamar Durant has signed in Ottawa. Former Argos defensive back Chris Edwards inks a deal in Hamilton. Defensive back Siante Evans signs in Montreal. Defensive back Sherard Baltimore stays in Ottawa, re-signing a deal uh, with the Red Blacks. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers re-signed receiver Rashid Bailey. How do they afford to keep everybody? More CFL talk coming up here in a few moments on the CFL Report. Friday CFL report, and man, it's been a busy week. Signings, signings, and some more signings across the Canadian Football League this week. And one of the big ones has to be Eugene Lewis, former Alouette receiver, now Edmonton Elk receiver. And Eugene Lewis is now the highest paid player in the CFL who is not a quarterback. So we asked the question, were the Rough Riders in the conversation for Eugene Lewis's services? I had some contact with the, uh, the Riders for sure. And obviously, you know, with Trav going over there and Jake, um, it definitely was very intriguing. Um, um, and I actually had one of my coaches, uh, Andre Bauduc, who's the new running back coach there. Uh, he went there too. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that Sass wasn't, wasn't a team that was on my mind. It definitely was for sure. Um, it just, you know, the situation in Edmonton, you know, I just feel like ended up, you know, being the best for me, you know, for the best of my career, for the best for me to win and, uh, you know, to uh, just, just keep out, you know, making milestones. Uh, I know that you've never played with Cody Fajardo before, so uh, if you choose not to answer this question, that's totally understandable. But uh, you have uber familiarity with Trevor Harris. 10,000 feet from the outside, does it look to you like the Rough Riders have upgraded at quarterback? Um, yeah, I would say I would say yes. Just for one, you know, Trevor, 
uh, he's a great player, man, a great guy. Uh, and uh, I've seen the way he's worked. You know, I, I've had the chance to, you know, actually, you know, go behind the scenes with him in the film room and stuff like that. And uh, he's a very smart dude, man. He takes care of his body. And, you know, he, he's proven that he's, he, you know, he's, he's won in this league. He's been in this league for a long time. You know, everybody, you know, is, is, is talking about his age and things like that. But, you know, if you go and just look at the stats and look at the things that he did that he accomplished last year, um, I feel like he's deserving for everything that he's getting this year. Um, you know, I always feel like one of my goals is to help every quarterback that I play with get paid. And, and, and if, I, if we make them look good, you know, everything else is going, is going to work itself out. So, um, yeah, I feel, like, I feel like they did a great job of getting Trevor. And I think Jake is really going to be a big surprise for everybody uh, this year, too, just for, you know, what happens with him last year. Um, he's going to really open a lot of eyes Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Still ahead on this Friday edition of the Sports Cage, Luke Mullender will join us. But right now, it is time for us to do the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Chase the Ace, sponsored by Viterra. And we go down the hall for that here at CKRM World Headquarters. Take it away, Program Director Abby White. Uh, thank you very much, Brendan. Yes, we are hanging out uh, with John from our good friends at uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. Uh, tell me uh, a little bit uh, about Chase the Ace for anybody that's uh, kind of you know, not familiar with uh, how this all rolls out. Certainly. Uh, first off, super excited to be back. Our first five weeks, uh, Cindy and Carly have kind of been on air with you and uh, excited to be back and, and giving away hopefully some, well, we will be giving away some money this week. Um, but Chase the Ace, presented by Viterra, our good friends at Viterra. Essentially how it works is that 30% of the proceeds um, each week go to the overall jackpot, which is sitting at almost $40,000. So we could be giving away $40,000 today if that Ace of Spades is selected. Um, and 20% goes to that weekly prize, which we're giving away for sure, which is tw over $2,300 today. And um, yeah, once we select the winner here, we'll know who that's going to. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, let's get ourselves a winner. Let's do it. Spinning it. And we're in. Okay, we have a local winner from Regina here. Um, first name R.W., last name Stillborn. So R.W. Stillborn. Um, yeah, they are our winner right now. I will get this down so we can get the information to call them. All right. Okay, we're going to pass the, uh, the number on. We're going to make a run here. I think we're having a little technical difficulty. My mic seems to be not working, so there we go. That's a little better. Yep. All right, perfect. Okay, uh, while we wait to find out if we can get a hold of uh, RW, whatever, RW. That, whatever that stands for, uh, let's talk about a pretty cool event that uh, the Foundation is uh, embarking on for the first time, and that would be a hockey game in Saskatoon. It's a hockey game. I know. It's really weird to hear Rough Riders and hockey in, in, in the same sentence, but uh, Brett Lothar, self-proclaimed, and I have to emphasize this, self-proclaimed, <laughs> best hockey player in the CFL. Um, he actually brought this idea to our foundation just because hockey's one of his favorite sports next to football, obviously, um, and he's been such a great foundation player ambassador, and ultimately, he wanted to get together a bunch of current and past rider players, along with some past NHL buddies as well, um, to play a charity hockey game on March 18th in Saskatoon at the Merlis Belcher Place Arena there. 
Um, all the proceeds that are being raised are going to the foundation in support of kids sport as well to make sure that kids are going to be able to play both hockey and football. Um, but yeah, it's a new event. It's going to be its first year. We're really looking forward to it. Um, tickets are going to be going live on Monday on family day because it's going to be a fantastic family, family event for mom, dad, and the kids to all come to and, uh, and again, see some of these Rough Rider players in, in a, a little bit of a different scenario, we'll say, on, on the rink. Brett realizes that you, if you kick it, if you kick a goal, it doesn't count, right? Like, I think he does. I, I mean, I personally haven't seen him on the ice, but again, self-proclaimed best hockey player in the CFL, so he must know. Yes. Um, how many players, you know, have, uh, agreed to, Put skates on. As a matter of fact, how many rider players actually can skate? Good question. So right now we have 15 locked in in between um, current Rough Rider players, alumni players, and then some of the past NHL players that we that have all committed to helping us out. So 15 right now should be uh, should be a lot of fun. So the date on that again, March 18th. March 18th. So it'll be here pretty fast. It is. Uh, and for people that want to get tickets to uh, go watch this game, uh, how do they do that? Yeah, they can just go to Riderville.com and Rough Rider Foundation Winter Classic. That is the name, and you'll, uh, you can't miss it. There will be tickets online there for you. Brett Lothar, Rob Bag, going head-to-head with their teams. Should be uh, a lot of fun. All right, we're playing Chase the Ace. Uh, $2,340 is the uh, weekly prize, and uh, it sounds like we've got uh, RW joining us on the line. Are you there? Yes, I am. Perfect. Can you tell us what RW stands for? <laughs> uh, it's my initials. <laughs> Ross and what is, what is your name, sir? Uh, Ross Stillborn. Ross Stillborn. Right. Okay. All right. Well, congratulations, Ross. First of all, you are the uh, winner here in week six of the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation Chase the Ace. So you have won $2,340. That is yours, uh, and no one can take that away from you. So congratulations. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Excellent. Now, here comes the big parts. Uh, you get to pick a number between 1 and 52, uh, and we will open up an envelope, and there'll be a card inside. If it happens to be the Ace of Spades, the Braden Lennius card, you will win the jackpot this week of $39,743. That sounds pretty good, too, hey? Right. <laughs> okay, there's been five cards selected so far, so if you uh, pick one of those numbers, we'll get you to uh, redraw. But give us a number between 1 and 52. So for 39. 39, okay. 39. Yeah, that has not been selected. Uh, I will find the what's the What's the significance behind 39? Uh, nothing really. Uh, one of my kids is 39, so... Hey, that's all you need. That's great reason. Hopefully it's lucky enough. Yes. All right. John is uh, opening the envelope, and let's see if you are winning a whole pile of cash. Good luck to you. And we have the Ten of Spades. Ten of Spades. So, fortunately, well, not that Ace of Spades. The right suit, just the wrong number. Okay. Well, you didn't get the big jackpot there, Ross, uh, but you did win $2,340, so that's uh, nothing to be disappointed in. And the best part is you can win again and again. You just got to keep buying tickets for the Saskatchewan Friday Foundation Chase the Ace. That's right. Okay, will do. Awesome. The Foundation crew will be in touch with you probably early next week on how you can claim your cash. Congrats. Great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks, Ross. All right, John. So uh, for anybody that uh, wants to get some tickets, uh, obviously they, they go on sale here coming up at 5 o'clock for next week's draw, which will be obviously over $40,000. Uh, the packages and how they can get those. Absolutely. So um, 
You can any of our social media pages. They're always going to have the link out there to be able to purchase tickets, or you can go to riderville.com/chasetheace. Um, really easy to find tickets there, and tickets are one for ten, ten for twenty-five, fifty for fifty, and two hundred tickets for a hundred dollars. Awesome. Thanks for coming down. Congratulations again to Ross, and uh, we'll be back next week with another draw on the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation Chase the Ace for our friends at Viterra. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Sean Bain Jr. will be taking questions in our three here on the sports cage as he will be one of the most relied upon targets from new quarterback Trevor Harris. We'll hear from him in just moments time. You can join in on the discussion, our Twitter feed at sports cage, and you can also chime in through the capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line 306-936-6262 or call us toll free at 1-866-767-0620. Right now we go out on the Western Pizza Hotline to talk a little SJHL with our good pal Jamie Nugabauer, the voice of the Notre Dame Hounds. Jamie, are you coming to us from the bowels of the Weyburn Coliseum where your Hounds play tonight? I'm actually on the bus on the way to uh, the uh, beautiful Crescent Point place there in uh, Weyburn for a huge game tonight. But yeah, I'm actually on the bus. We're en route. I'm I'm always thrilled to go to that arena, and I remember last year I showed up. I was supposed to do a Western Canada Baseball League broadcast between the Regina Red Sox and the Weyburn Beavers on access, and it ended up getting rained out, and we just sat there with all the locals and talked politics and Red Wings for a good solid half hour. I just get goosebumps going into that old barn. That's why if I go to a WHL game, uh, I love going to games in Swift Current because it reminds me of the old Weyburn Coliseum or the corporate name today, Crescent Point Place. Is that the best old school barn in the SJ these days? Uh, I mean, I like it there. I like the natural light. I love the press box, obviously, uh, being a bit of a selfish person. Uh, they made a big, huge press box there in Weyburn for the uh, Centennial Cup or the RBC Cup, I think it was called, at the time in the early 2000s. But uh, I like calling games there a lot. My, my favorite rink in the league has to be, uh, well, other than my own, the Duncan McNeil Arena and Wilcox, but uh, the Whitney Forum up in Flin Flon mm-hmm. is the classic junior hockey rink to me. Uh, so if anybody out there can get a chance to get up to Flin Flon, especially for a big game with the Flin Flon Bombers, uh, it's worthwhile to go into the Whitney Forum. But certainly Crescent Point Place is up there. There's no question. You're, you're not wrong. The Whitney Forum, with or without the moose legs, the Maple Leaf Gardens of the SJHL, yep. easily. Very cool place. Yep. Um, yep. When I look at the standings, and I think about those Weyburn Red Wings, um, back in the offseason, as you know, I think I reached out to you a time or two. I was acting as an unofficial agent for one prospect for a family friend and did a really horrible job of it because he never did get a tryout in the SJ, of course. Uh-huh. That could have been predicted a mile away. (laughs) But um, the Red Wings, I was hearing a lot of talk that they had been in flux for a while. There had maybe been a little bit of turmoil right around the time of the pandemic, but that the new guy who had come in, Cody Mapes, had kind of straightened things out. I know they got off to a bit of a rough start at the beginning of the year, uh, but here we are in mid to late February, and they're sitting right at the 500 mark. How are the Red Wings doing, and how have they been able to, I guess for lack of a better term, get back to respectability? 
Yeah, they're they're seven and one and two over the last ten games. They only have one loss in regulation in the last ten, so it's hard to do much better than that. I think a big piece of it is the fact that their schedule has put them at home uh, a lot. I think their division in the Viterra uh, isn't the best division in the league right now, we'll say diplomatically, but you give them all the credit in the world. Cody Mapes, you talk about him. He took over uh, for the former NHL, Rich Pilon, and has done a tremendous job. They made a big, big move uh, in December, probably the biggest move uh, in terms of trades within the league this year, bringing in uh, Riley Morgan, the 20-year-old speedster from LaRange, and he's really turned things around in so many ways for them and really put guys in their lineup in the right spot, if you know what I mean. Uh, you know, guys who are supposed to be on the first line are there, second line are there, third line there, etc. And, no, it's it just kind of come together. They've stayed very healthy. Uh, and as I said, they're very good at, at home. they played a lot of games at home in the second half and uh, you know give them credit they come out hard they play hard they play big and fast and they're tough and uh, they, they find ways to put pucks in the net I think I saw a statistic that said they are in the top three in 2023 so far alongside uh, Humboldt and Battlefords in terms of goals for and goals against in the SHL so you know you, you can say what you want about schedule but you need to beat who, whoever it is against that's facing you and, and the Western Red Wings have done that and uh, to, to big time credit to their coach and to their players more than anything the voice of the Notre Dame Hounds Jamie Neugebauer joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline dine in take out or delivery get it hot get it fast from Western Pizza um, we've talked actually quite a bit on this program even about the Battleford North Stars who got off to that incredible start um, as we sit here today they're 20 points clear of anybody mm-hmm. is there any realistic possibility that Flin Flon even my Bruins Humboldt any of these teams could take a realistic shot at the Battlefords um, in your opinion in a, in a seven game series yeah, there's no question in my mind, to be honest. I don't know if that's uh, a controversial statement or a hot take or not, but uh, I think, you know, the Battlefords North Stars have some very, very high end. They have the best line in the league in Holden Dole and Jake Southgate and the former QMJHL or Kean Bell uh, at the top of their lineup. But other than that, I mean, they've got a lot of talent. Obviously, you don't go 40 and 3 and 3 without a lot of talent, but I would say Flinflon and Humboldt. You know, even throw Melford into that uh, equation, the Estevan Bruins, when they're, you know, they have a, a lineup that plays, that they, they all have lineups that, that, that I think match up really well against the Battlefords North Stars. Now, you know, you obviously give the North Stars and Braden Klamosko and his staff all sorts of credit for the way that they've put that team together to fit well together. They've got great goaltending from the Division One NCAA uh, University of Augustana goaltender Josh Cote. But it hasn't always been perfect for the for North Stars. They haven't actually just sort of bashed their way every night. They've found a way to win a lot of nights. And uh, certainly they're number one, and certainly they deserve it. But certainly, I know there's plenty of talent on the Humboldt, Flinflons, and Melforts. Even even Larange and Estevan could give them a run. Uh, you know, it, that's the pair to the SJ, and, and I think there's absolutely nothing set in stone uh, about the Battleford's North Stars making uh, even a long, long run. Uh, you know, in this SJHL, even though they've had a magical season, and I'm not trying to take anything away from them probably would help them to face a little bit of adversity too before they uh they get out of the sj if they're going to contend for a national title teams don't usually go through unscathed and uh 
and 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 get the big one, uh, win the Centennial Cup at the very end. You mentioned the 2005 RBC Cup that was played at the Weyburn Coliseum when they built that press box. That was back in my glory SJHL days. So I actually remember going to the Coliseum when they didn't have a press box, and it was this dumpy little booth that you had to crawl into. Um, but I remember in that era, the Flin Flon Bombers went through a real dry spell, and it was hard to get athletes to want to go up there Uh, a lot of people have never been to flin flon they don't know much about it the isolation drives kids nuts now we're in a different era where you've got social media it's a lot easier to stay connected and when i was doing my little uh bit of moonlighting as a player agent back in the summer i had occasion to visit with the general manager mike reagan who told me that you know what we're full we we've been very fortunate that we just had this playoff run where we had that epic seven game series against and played in the Centennial Cup that we haven't had any trouble recruiting or finding players. Um, yeah. Is it a different world now where the Flin Flon players want to go to Flin Flon? It's not such a challenge like it was before. It seems like the Bombers are competitive year in and year out. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think there's centers in the league that uh, have attractiveness outside of the game of hockey for different reasons. Like you think of Humboldt being so close to Saskatoon and, and Melfort being relatively close to both Saskatoon and Prince Albert. So the list goes on that way. But the best recruiting tool, and any coach will tell you this, any GM will tell you this, the best recruiting tool is winning and success and moving kids on. And those those things are, are way ahead and shoulders, I think, above you know, any any kind of a, a situation you find yourself in. And, you know, the Flin Flon Bombers have just been good for so many years. But a, te- a kid knows when they're recruited there that there's a certain standard that Mike Reagan and Cole McKegg, the assistant, and everybody there will hold him to, and, and he'll be playing with good players. That's always a big piece of it. Um, the atmosphere there is, is, I think, still second to none in the league when, when it's really going. And, and I think that's also a recruiting tool. But, you know, you, you said it there absolutely, like the the – the best recruiting tool is winning, and they went to the finals in Game 7 and a bounce here or there. Maybe they were the champions, a bounce here or there. Maybe they were in the finals in the Centennial Cup against the Brooks Bandits. I'm not going to go so far and say they're a bounce or two away from beating the Brooks Bandits last year, but, um, yeah, absolutely. Winning winning is the biggest thing, and Flint Flon has won many, many years the last number, so Mike Reagan deserves a lot of credit, and absolutely, it is a new world. I don't think anybody was within light years of being Brooks in the final, although I know it was yeah. close until the third period but they were they were pretty good. Um, the yeah. Notre Dame Hounds obviously play in a market, very small town in Wilcox, not a lot of media coverage. Um, you probably do more single-handedly to promote that team than any other uh, media coverage out there. Let our listeners know who are some of the elite players on the Notre Dame Hounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks. Thank you for the opportunity and the, and the kind words. I really, really appreciate it. I mean, I think this team starts uh, and goes with its captain, the Mercyhurst Commit, the University uh, in Pennsylvania, D1 NCAA Commit, Jared Sitch, like six foot three, skating like the wind, physical, defensive guy. Will the points be the same at this level or at the next level as they are at this level? He'll have to take some steps. But uh, he, he has been as dominant of a defenseman in this league as I've seen in a long time this year when he's been uh, healthy. Uh, you know, you go down to the, the top forward then is committed to Air Force Academy, D- D1 NCAA. He's an American, as you probably guessed, based on the fact that he's going to a military academy. But Will Dawson uh, has been very, very consistent. Uh, even if it's not, the pucks haven't always gone in this year. He does lead the team in points, but the pucks haven't always gone in. But that being said, his F- 
effort, his two-way play, uh, his leadership has uh, certainly been there, you know, all year, and he's always contributed one way or the other uh, to this team. So those those are the two big ones. And then, you know, you look at uh, the, on the younger side, the, the one guy I kind of want to name in terms of the youth side of things is uh, a 2005-born defenseman by the name of Vincent Palmerine, who's got a lot of Division One looks. Again, he's had a bit of a hard time staying healthy lately, but he's a steady defenseman. He's got as hard a shot. He probably has the hardest shot on the team, actually, as a 2005-born uh, defenseman. He is a bullet. Uh, and, I, you know, I think, you know, he, he's got growth to develop and and everything, but he was a showcase, SJMJ showcase all-star for the league this year for, for very good reason and, and deservedly so. And I think that the future is super bright for him. And, I you know, if he didn't deal with some serious injury this year, I think he would have been a Division One commit already. Um, had lots of interest and still does. Uh, so those are kind of the three names. Jared Sitch, the captain, Will Dawson going to Air Force uh, in a couple of years likely, and then uh, Vinny Palmerine, who I think will be a D1 commit before uh, before too long. But it's a pretty, it's a pretty solid squad uh, overall. There aren't too many holes, but it's just a matter of being consistent and playing like they can on a nightly basis, and, and that's the only way that they'll find a way to crawl back into the playoffs. And never a dull night at the Weyburn Coliseum slash Crescent Point place. Hey, listen, this has been fun. Have a great broadcast tonight. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. That is Jamie Nugabauer. You can find him by uh, finding the Notre Dame Hounds live stream uh, tonight on the World Wide Web. Time to break for news. Still lots more coming up on the Sports Cage. Luke Mullinder and Sean Bain Jr. You're listening to the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Brendan McGuire. And Sean Kleisinger on this Friday edition of the Sports Cage for Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Coming up a little bit later, we will hear from Rider Radio analyst Luke Mullinder on the program, as well as this week's edition of Sports Cage Rewind. You won't want to miss our conversation with new Rough Rider quarterback Trevor Harris. A lot of people with opinions on the streets of Regina that I've been hearing the last couple of days, so you won't want to miss that part of the program either. But right now, we go out on the Western Pizza Hotline with one of the men who will be tasked with catching passes from the new quarterback. Sean Bain Jr. has been acquired from the Calgary Stampeders, and we have our first visit with him on the cage right now. Sean, where do you live in the offseason? Where are you calling from? Hey, what's going on? I'm, uh, I'm currently in Sarasota, Florida. Gotcha. Okay. Well, we talked to Greg Ellingson a little bit earlier, and he's in Florida, and I've always known that Florida is a popular spot to be in the offseason for baseball people. And, well, when you look at the weather in Canada, it sounds like a pretty cool spot to be in the offseason for CFL people, too. Uh, uh, Absolutely. What made you pick – well, first of all, I'll rewind. Before I ask why you picked Saskatchewan, at what point did you realize that you were not headed back to the Stampeders? Um – you know, to be honest, it, it just didn't. I, I don't know. I would say probably like um, like towards the end of the season. Um, I mean, they spoke of things about you know bringing me back, but they just seemed uh, too skeptical. And you know, I understand that this this game you only have a a short window to to be in your prime. So um, I didn't want to waste it. So I kind of I kind of had a feeling, and I kind of just trusted my gut. I see that you've been running back some kicks. Uh, was there ever any discussion with uh, rider management about maybe using you on special teams? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. They definitely want me back there. Um, we're going to be doing, you know, some two-man things uh, with me and uh, Mario. So, um, you know, I'm just excited to help the team, you know, uh, make some big plays and, and, and do what I do. Uh, when you found out about the fact that Trevor Harris was going to be your quarterback, you've never played with him before, so I don't expect you to have a lot of familiarity with him. Uh, what were the first thoughts that went through your mind? Um, well, I used to keep an eye on him, you know, throughout the season. Um, on TSN, they kind of, you know, his name had Buzz and, you know, Montreal. So, um, I was, you know, it, it, was, it was cool, obviously, you know, catching passes from Bo and Jake. But uh, um, to hear, you know, the numbers that he would put up, you know, week after week, I was just like, okay, you know. Um, so to, to, to be on, you know, be able to, you know, catch passes with him this year, is it's, it's an honor. I'm excited. Um, yeah, and, and, and you know, we chopped it up. He called me and just like, yeah, bro, like this is going to be a season. So. New Rough Rider receiver Sean Bain Jr. joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Sean Bain Jr., was there any time last season that you thought to yourself, man, I would look good in those green and white colors, or did those <laughs> do those thoughts ever go through your mind? Because you already mentioned, like, towards the end of the last year, you kind of had it in your mind, maybe I'm not going to be with the Stamps in 2023. Did you ever kind of let those thoughts creep in your mind when uh, uh, especially when you play in Regina, man, and you and you see the bring them out with the fireworks and all the all the hoopla that's in Regina here. Was that ever kind of like a a dream of yours to play at Mosaic Stadium full time? You know, that's a good question. I'm gonna be honest, um, not necessarily um, because initially, like you know, going like ending the season, I didn't you know have any buzz. You know, here like coming from Sask, like it was a few, like you know, like maybe Hamilton because of Bo, and then uh, like Ottawa. Um, but you know, Sask was you know completely blindsided me. But my my college, um, you know, colors were green and white, so I was like, okay, I can, I can, I can, okay. I can do that again. <laughs> you know, on a professional level, so uh, I'm definitely excited to to get back in those threads. So Ryder fans just get to know their brand new receiver, Sean Bain Jr. You had a stint with the Atlanta Falcons back in 2019, and this is a question I like to ask players who have experience in both leagues. Can you compare the talent level in the NFL compared to the CFL? What's the main difference? Is it speed, strength, just mm -hmm. pure skill? What would be the main difference between the two leagues' talent pools? Um, that's a really good question as well. I'd say... I'd, I'd say you can say talent. Um, like a lot of a lot of guys in the league, they're kind of you know the big dogs as soon as they get there. You know what I'm saying? Like you got freaks like Julio Jones um, and Calvin Ridley. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. um, you know, seeing those guys and trying to measure myself up to them, um, you know, I, I wasn't far behind. You know, in my in my mind. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I, I, if anything, I'd say is just a, a I'd say talent. But it's a lot of, you know, fall through guys that can make big plays in the CFL. So um, I would say that, and I would just say, um, I'd probably say like the playbook. Um, like a CFL playbook, is, I'm, I'm going to say it's bigger. <laughs> it's, it's actually crazy how how many plays, like, have to be learned and motions. And, like, it's, I would say that, like, the playbook and, and talent. Wow, that really surprises me to hear that because the narrative that we hear, especially from uh, CFL naysayers, but but just in general, the NFL has become so much more sophisticated with their offenses. Um, 
So it, it surprised me a little bit to hear that the CFL books are are still a little more complex. Yeah, you, you get the sense that it's there's still more to it running an offense um, on a, the CFL field than there is down in the NFL. Um, I'd I, I'd say yes. I mean, I know I, I know like the quick game is real similar, like you know a, a hand signal or a one you know one word type of play. Um, those are probably the similarities in like you know quick game football, but. Like, you know, just like an actual install. Yeah, I would say CFL has them. When I look at the receiving core that you played with in Calgary last year, you had Reggie Bagleton, Malik Henry, Kamar Jordan, uh, Kadeem Carey was a running back slash receiver. Richie Sendani was there. Uh, Luther Hakananova. I can never say his name right. The TSN guys do it better than I do. Um, Was this maybe just a case of one team that's got a really crowded receivers room and another team like Saskatchewan that didn't get a whole lot of production out of their receivers last year and had a few guys like Duke Williams depart. And maybe it's just a better fit. Sometimes sometimes there's just more of a need somewhere else, and the need here was Saskatchewan. Is it as simple as that when we, when we break it down why you'll be wearing green and white next year and not red and white? Um. I'd, I'd I'd say um, I mean you can you can make it that simple yeah um, you know Calgary you know they can recruit a lot of talent and you know obviously you can't put them all on the field especially with the numbers and the ratio so um, you know they 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 are you know we're stuck with tough decisions so um, like I said just me um, you know understanding that my my prime window is is small and you know dwindling um, I kind of just had to you know take advantage of that opportunity so. Uh, definitely thankful for you know them calling me and, and, and getting me signed. Hey, before you came up to Canada, did you uh, know of the CFL? Or let's put it this way: when you were in your last year of college, did you know of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? I'm gonna be honest with you; I had no idea. <laughs> that that that'll surprise nobody. Yeah, that's the case for the majority of the time, though, right? So, yeah, yeah. Did, um, yeah, I mean, obviously the focus was, you know, straight NFL. Um, yeah. Obviously playing American football. So, um, you know, for, you know, to fall through the crack and then understand that, you know, I have an opportunity, you know, in Canada, I was like, shoot, let's go. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, I, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not mad at, you know, leaving home and, and going to explore the world as well as, you know, playing the game I love. How do you like Canada so far as a whole? I saw online that you like the looks of our currency a bit more, nice and colored currency like that. You got the different colors like the queen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Listen, I love Canada. Like, I wish, I wish it weren't so cold. I would move there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully I can, you know, stay in the warmth a little longer. But, um, um, yeah, like the currency is pretty dope. Uh, just the buildings, like just a bunch of like things that are so different from Sarasota. You know, there's no beaches. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We got big lakes and um, just natural things. So ketchup like, chips, I, poutine. Yeah, I, I've never, I've never seen exactly. <laughs> I never seen mountains prior to coming to Canada. So um, going to Banff and, and just seeing and taking hikes, it, it all was. You know, it seemed to stay good time. So. I, I enjoy Canada. I hate to burst your bubble. You won't see mountains in Saskatchewan either. But we're we're happy to have you. We along. got Cypress Hills. It's one big hill. It's just we're, a bit east, west of here. But but <laughs> flat is cool too, Sean. Just remember that. So flat is good. We're, flat is good. I can't lie. 
we're we're thrilled to have you on board. We're excited to meet you when you get up here, and um, welcome to Saskatchewan. We're excited to see you guys get it going in May, and uh, enjoy what's left of your off season. And uh, hey, don't feel bad over the fact that you choose not to live here because of the cold weather. Zinger and I would do the same, but we don't have a choice. So we're <laughs> yeah. with you. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks, Sean, for your time, man. Appreciate you. Excited to have uh, to get you up here. I appreciate you both, man. Thank you for having me. Okay, that is Sean Bain Jr., the new receiver free agent pickup for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Let's go get my Bain jersey. Let's go. Get them printed up. Time to break. Coming up next, this week's edition of Sports Cage Rewind on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talks. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the Friday edition of the Sports Cage for Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Time for this week's edition of Sports Cage Rewind. And earlier this week, we caught up with the new quarterback of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Trevor Harris. Trevor, I used to watch a lot of NFL Network, and then I got addicted to it. And so I got rid of it eventually. Do you watch a lot of NFL Network? I do watch it from time to time, but uh, not a not a ton. I don't really watch uh, as much TV as I used to, to be honest. I saw a story about how Bill Belichick was ready to be the head coach of the New York Jets, and he sat there, and the owner had passed away, and he doesn't know what this situation is going to look like going forward, so he just decided to go somewhere else. Is that what's happening here? Um, not necessarily. Uh, there was just it was tough to find the clarity, um, you know, in. And not to even talk about, you know, thinking about going to other places because once it became uh, clear what the situation was, it was, you know, I made a quick, quick decision, trusted my gut, and I feel great about the decision I made. But I didn't anticipate it getting to this, and uh, I know that uh, Coach Machocho had some tough situations he had to deal with uh, that were, were not necessarily under his control. I wrote a piece uh, just before Christmas when we listened to Kelly Jeffrey talk. He had just been hired as a new offensive coordinator. And he talked a lot about having a quarterback, or he wanted a quarterback who had a quick release, high completion percentage. And I was looking on Wikipedia. You had the record for completion percentage in that playoff game a few years ago. And I thought, he sounds sounds like Trevor Harris would be about the perfect fit here. And nobody thought it would happen. Um, did you hear those comments? Did that maybe turn a light bulb on in your head that maybe Saskatchewan would be a good fit for you? Um, I, to be honest with you, I don't read very much online. Um, and I know, I, I know a lot of people probably say that, but I, I mean that. And I don't even think you tweet. You don't have a Twitter account, do you? No, I don't have a Twitter. I do have an Instagram. I sign on there to mainly just watch funny real videos with my wife. Um, and, uh, yeah, I have a Facebook that I sign on to once in a great while, but, uh, yeah, it, it became apparent, uh, when, um, I knew the timeline wasn't going to happen that I was going to have to maybe look elsewhere. And so when we did that, um, and we took the blinders off, uh, from thinking about going back to Montreal, um, you know, this situation presented itself when, when the time came that it was allowed to. And, uh, I really liked the vision here and, uh, what they had and what they were thinking about going about, uh, this organization. So I was really, really fired up, uh, to be here. And, um, but yeah, maybe you're the, uh, the Oracle and you need to make some predictions of the Grey Cup, uh, coming back to Regina. 
I actually did that right, I'd be a very rich man. I wouldn't be doing radio. But um, the last guy who was quarterback here was involved on social media very heavily, and he went through the ups and the downs of being the quarterback in Saskatchewan. And at the end, it felt a little bit like, and you'd have to ask Cody, I think he'd be the first one to tell you this, it just seemed like it kind of chewed him up and spit him out. Is that a big reason why you stay off social media? Just the down, the highs are pretty high, but the lows can get pretty low too. Um, in a way, yes, uh, but ultimately, like we, I love the fans and I appreciate the fans. I appreciate the province, but ultimately, uh, the opinions that um, are the most important thing for us to accomplish the goals we want for the fans are in the locker room. And uh, I deleted my Twitter account a long time ago because I wanted to put my focus on the relationships in building and, you know, hopefully the results could speak for themselves. You know, we've been to a, I've been to a couple more gray cups and, you know, been a part of a lot of playoff wins and um, being able to keep your focus on where I was has been, has really served me well. But uh, the really, I've just had values. Um, I've had a vision, um, you know, thoughts of things far before anybody had an opinion of me. And those are what really has driven me. And uh, I just try and not put the energy where I don't need to. And I think I'm doing myself and the fan base the best service I can by doing that. And once I can, you know, keep my focus where it needs to be, I feel like I'm serving the fans best to do that other, aside from reading, uh, you know, the comments and whatnot. How long have you been in Regina so far? Um, I got in late last night around midnight. Has anybody on the street recognized you yet? Yeah, a couple people at the airport. My wife actually told me uh, today, she goes, I think I think there's been more people that have recognized you in the 12 hours we've been here than the entire time in Montreal. And so, uh, yeah, you can definitely feel the love of Rider Nation, and I'm looking forward to uh, to embracing the culture and the, and the city and the fan base here as well even further. Different animal here for sure. Um, let's uh, take a few questions from the fans uh, at Sports Cage on Twitter. Eric Hoffman, I don't know where Eric is messaging from. He wants to know uh, what does Trevor think will thinks will be the biggest challenge this year. It's uh, I think the biggest challenge in every year and every CFL is is delivering the results for the expectations of what you have. But to me, uh, there's no really pressure in that situation if you can. Uh, you know, just stay in the present moment and not think about it. It's really about where we are now. And to be honest, uh, I feel like this, the team that I'm joining right now, um, I was, it's kind of like what I've been taught my whole life. You don't ever really, uh, feel pressure. You apply it. And I think that if we can have that mindset to go apply the pressure in, instead of feeling it. And I think that's really where this team will be. And hopefully we can meet those expectations. One more question from the fans on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line. Preston in Regina wants to know how many other offers did you get and did you take the highest bid? <laughs> um, I've never been one to just go to the highest bidder, um, but I did have other teams interested uh, that I talked to, but uh, it's really neither here nor there to worry about what those offers were, who they were. Um, this was the best fit for me and uh, I couldn't be more thrilled to be here. Uh, you're a big believer in the TB12 method, I've read, and you kind of alluded to it in the uh, news conference. Um, if you win a couple of Grey Cups, is there any thought of a TH7 clinic next to the stadium? 
I always promised myself I would never uh, do that, but uh, uh, you know, maybe you just never know. You never know where life uh, can take you. I've always the one thing I've learned is to never uh, assume that anything would happen. But uh, maybe I should talk to TB12 about a sponsorship, uh, being the older quarterback in the league, the elder statesman now, and uh, not really having an end in sight for myself right now in terms of how long I want to play. Just one more thing I wanted to touch base with you on. Um, Kean Schaefer-Baker, um, there was a lot of speculation he might sign in the National Football League. That window is now closed. I asked Jeremy O'Day this morning if that was at all a drawing card to get you here. He didn't really indicate one way or the other. Was that thought in the back of your mind about having uh, number 81 here? 89. 89, 89. There, there you go. See, you're off to a good start. Mitch, Mitch Picton, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. So 81's the reason you're here. No, but uh, KSB, was that a factor in uh, you choosing Saskatchewan? He's someone that I asked about. Uh, to say that I came here because he would be back uh, would, be, would be false, but obviously when you have the ability or... Uh, situation where you can be around unique talents like him, uh, especially him being a Canadian, being a ratio breaker. That is that is something that's important. So it's something I asked about, but it was not something that uh, drove the nail in the coffin per se. But uh, I did I did ask about that, and it was important. And they said they didn't know because he may have gotten a contract offer. But um, yeah, I just uh, you would think that they would make their decision, you know, prior to that. And so I was hopeful uh, that he'd be back. But obviously, I'm hopeful that uh, he has a tremendous season. This this year and we can send him back down south because I think that's where he belongs. You're off to a great start. I'm going to have to warn Michael Ball. Get those numbers straight or Trevor will correct you each time. Thanks for this and uh, welcome to Regina. Get out, see the province, will you? Yeah, I will. I appreciate it. Thank you. In conversation earlier this week with the new quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the first ever interview that he did is on the airwaves of the almighty 620 CKRM. News is next. Coming up, we will hear from Luke Mullinder on the voice of Saskatchewan 620 CKRM. Your sports ticker at 531 is for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Just catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. Signings in the Canadian Football League today. No surprise. It's sign, sign, sign week. Former Ticat receiver Lamar Durant has signed in Ottawa. Former Argos defensive back Chris Edwards inks a deal in Hamilton. Defensive back Siante Evans signs in Montreal. Defensive back Sherrard Baltimore stays in Ottawa, signing a deal with the Red Blacks. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers re-sign receiver Rashid Bailey. Friday's Pat Chat is for the Canadian Brew House. Get free eats, deals, and prizes when you download the free Canadian Brew House app from Google Play or the App Store. So the Pats have an important stretch of games coming up this weekend. Tomorrow night at home against the Winnipeg Ice on Cancer Awareness Night, wearing some special themed jerseys. First things first, though, tonight in Prince Albert at the Art Hauser Center. Tough place to play. Pats goaltender Drew Sim. Uh, it's a rockin' barn. Um, when I was 15, I got to uh, witness it in the finals with Vancouver and the atmosphere they had. I think there was three rows of milk crates behind the actual seats, so that place, uh, everything's right on top of you, and uh, they're loud fans, and they're not afraid to let you hear about it, so 
uh, it's a fun place to play. And Saturday night's game under the orange top at the Brand Center is a special one as well because it's the Cancer Awareness Night for the Regina Pats. All the net proceeds from the auction will go towards the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan. I click into it and I'm looking at the list of the jerseys right now and Drew Sims jersey number 33 currently is sitting at $525. So what do you think of that? We got to get that up there. You know, 525 That's good, but it's not good enough for a Drew Sims jersey. Am I right? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, uh, I had some, tra- I've had some family members that have, uh, had cancer before. So, um, my parents were planning on buying this one. So yeah. I don't mind if it stays low. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You alluded to the fact that you don't want to play Winnipeg, or probably nobody wants to play Winnipeg in the first round. Um, they had a pretty good program, and uh, they've really mortgaged the future. Like They've really gone all in on this season. Having said that, um, do you get excited for a game like Saturday's? Because that's a measuring stick of how you can do against the best. Because you have an opportunity to beat the best, and if you beat the best, you know you can beat anybody who stands in your way between now and the end of the season. Two or three weeks ago, we set a goal for ourselves. We want to go uh, five, at least 500 against the uh, teams ahead of us in the standings. So they're one of them, and they're going to be a tough battle every time we play them. But I think we got them twice more here, kind of pretty close together. And uh, for sure, those will be good measuring sticks to uh, see where we line up against uh, the best team in the country. is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Friday edition of the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball. Our final guest of the week joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. He is a proud alumnus of the Michigan State Spartans, and his name is Luke Mullinder. Luke, how are you? Good, man. How's it going? I haven't talked to you in a while. I know. I haven't heard your voice in forever. You know, it might help with that if we were able to somehow corral you and uh, get you to appear more on In the Huddle, but that's okay. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Friday edition of the Sports Cage for Nelson Holmes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Brendan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball. Our final guest of the week joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. He is a proud alumnus of the Michigan State Spartans, and his name is Luke Mullinder. Luke, how are you? Good, man. How's it going? I haven't talked to you in a while. I know. I haven't heard your voice in forever. You know, it might help with that if we were able to somehow corral you and uh, get you to appear more on In the Huddle, but that's okay. We'll just uh, keep yeah. we'll keep chipping away on that, and uh, it's great to have you on the program here today. I was going to ask you, um, when you played at Michigan State, who were the quarterbacks? Do you remember? Oh, absolutely, man. We had uh, Ryan Van Dyke my freshman year, and then my brother Jeff Smoker from that point on. Okay, so the reason I asked that question is you were an interior defensive lineman and sometimes we think that in football because there are so many different phases um, that the two phases don't impact, or three phases I should say, don't impact one another. It makes a pretty big difference when you have a quarterback that you're excited on your roster and it helps you perform even on the defensive side of the football, does it not? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, from a defensive perspective, and I think we saw it a, a few times here this year, especially early on, um, uh, the defense just gassed out at some point, right? Uh, when you're, you're consistently going on. The, there's nothing more discouraging than, than causing a turnover or making a team punt and then going on within, like, a couple plays, right? Um, so I think that happened a few times. I know that, you know, especially experienced quarterbacks and guys that, that get the ball out, that's just sort of a, a safe haven for, for the whole team, right? Uh, you understand that, hey, like, here's a guy that understands, you know, his launch point, timing, and, uh, and, if, and if he gets the ball out, then we've got a chance to move the sticks. So if you're a starting interior defensive lineman today for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, we'll just pretend that you're, oh, I don't know, 20 years younger, 15 years younger yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, are you more excited today with who the quarterback is, Trevor Harris, than maybe you were two, three months ago? Well, honestly, when you're a defensive player, you don't necessarily think like that, right? Like you think you're more concerned about who's around you uh, on on your end of the football, um, you understand what the offense can potentially do. You know, there was plenty of discussions, right, um, when I was a player, where the defensive guys would be like, "Oh man, you know, like the, the, the extent of the conversations were normally, hey, like, you know, we might we might mess around and put up twenty four offensively a game, right? And if you can hold a, if, if we can hold an opponent." You know, to a couple touchdowns, man, we're we're going to win the majority of the games on that alone, based on who we think, you know, or how they think, or how we thought the uh, the offense was going to produce with with said quarterback, right? Um, I think that, for instance, I'll give you an example. When when I was a defensive player and Durant was in his, or the early stage of his career, we understood that we would never be out of a game. Right, it, it didn't matter sort of which. Right, we we understood we were always going to have a chance with a guy like that, um, and and I think that that's where the de- defensive front and the defensive staff and unit will take solace in Trevor Harris's understanding, especially not just Trevor Harris. I think they'll take more solace in the fact that hey, we've got Harris, and B, we've also brought in some a couple guys that can potentially help us on the interior to where our quarterback won't be in a rush to get off the, the initial launch point that's drawn up in, from play to play, right? But uh, as a defensive guy, you don't necessarily get all excited about about the, the, the other phase of the game. You just understand, hey, you know, you've got a chance if if, if you're in X or, or Y situation, you've got a chance to come out of it for this reason. And one of the reasons why defensively, as a, um, as a player right now for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you're excited is that, you know, one of the things might be, hey, like, you know, depending on what Kelly Jeffrey draws up, you might not see the turnover ratios, right? Or, right? Um, things like that. Rider Radio color analyst Luke Mullinder is our guest on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine in, take out, or delivery. Get it hot, get it fast from Western Pizza. Okay, so I wanted to take that angle just because um, I'm a big believer that it's kind of similar to um, a goalie in hockey. Uh, hockey teams snipers will say it's harder to perform when your goalie gives up a weak one and and it's really all one unit even though they have different phases but i'll stop tiptoeing around it let's take off your defensive lineman hat and put on your analyst hat now that we've had a few months since the end of the last season um uh, you and Michael had to sit through some sorry performances on the field uh, last season at Mosaic Stadium and on the road. Uh, do you feel like they've upgraded here, going from one number seven to the other? Yeah, I do. Um, but it's not just Trevor Harris. I want I want to preface that. I, you know, I, I think that 
does Cody Fajardo do himself any favors by by essentially getting on at any chance he can get and 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 trying to make the world feel sorry for him? No, but but this isn't this isn't necessarily a um, a Cody deal. I, I think this team upgraded because a they got Trevor Harris, but b they also brought in Philip Blake and Godder from BC. That's why I think they upgraded. If they brought in Trevor, I, I've been on radio here in the off season. Honestly, they could have brought in. They could have brought in Josh Allen. They could have brought in Pat Mahomes. And 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 if they, if there wasn't an offensive front in front of them to protect them, then we wouldn't have gotten Pat Mahomes or Josh Allen. Um, you know, like we would want to. And I think that for Trevor Harris, again, it goes a long way to solidify that interior. Um, we understood that this team wasn't going to be able to build their offensive line solely on free agency. You're going to need to rely on who you bring into camp and who your guys are scouting as well. But I think they made some great steps um, bringing in Blake and Godber. So with those two guys and then the addition of Trevor Harris, those three, that is an absolute upgrade on what we're looking at offensively. I think that a lot of people don't understand um, the opportunity that we have with Kelly Jeffrey. I think he's a guy with, with a ton of experience. And, you know, we do this in the Canadian Football time, League time and time again. You know, the, the example of, of Matt Dunnigan being rushed into a head coaching position is one of the best examples we can get. You know, if, if it's not a big name, we automatically assume IA is not going to succeed here. Um, I think Kelly Jeffrey has every chance to succeed and put an offense together as long as he understands which guys he has in the room. So, yes, I absolutely think this team upgraded, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Hey, Luke, we had uh, Sean Bain Jr. on to kick off the hour, brand new Saskatchewan Rough Riders receiver. My question is, if the season were to start tomorrow, do you think the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, have enough horses, if you will, at that position, or do you think they still need to add a few pieces at the receiver position? Well, I think I think that with a guy like Trevor Harris, there's there you don't have you don't have to surround Trevor Harris with a ton of field stretching weapons mm-hmm. right that mm-hmm. that's never really been his his game i haven't seen trevor harris and where he's not known as a guy that's going to come in and all of a sudden it's going to be the greatest show on turf and we're going to be we're going to be dialing up big play after big play right strategically with trevor harris you're going to have to really take advantage of the the seven yard box, right? So line of scrimmage, seven yards. I think that you know you get a bunch of guys that just sort of understand um, understand where they need to settle down and which way they need to turn when they do settle down. I think the ball's going to get to them. So it's great to have experience at the moment. I think that Sean Bain helps, um, but again, I, I really think that this is going to be an offense here coming into the year that that's not necessarily known for the big plays. I think they're going to be a, an offense that. That, maintain, that is going to succeed by maintaining possession. I think that we've got the makings of a fantastic run game. And, um, you know, I, I don't think there's this huge rush. Like, they don't need Zinger and, and, and Brendan. They don't need a, a top-tier wide receiver at the moment. I think that, that what they do need is they do need um, significant upgrades in the, in the places that we addressed. So we've got those on the defensive front and the offensive front in the, on the line of scrimmage. 
And I think that one of the things now is, is getting a safety in here, whether it's Adam or somebody um, that, that can play that safety position with some experience because we've got a nice, you know, you've got Nick Marshall back and you've signed some young guys with, with, with some experience now. Now get a safety in there that can round it out. I think Larry, uh, Larry Dean is going to be a guy that can play middle and, and outside if they need to him too. This team's going to rely on Micah Tights. But right now, Sean, they need to build in depth. You've got to get as many guys that can, that can give you some meaningful reps in case of injury. A lot of candid thoughts about the Rough Rider offense from Rider Radio color analyst Luke Mullinder. We'll have more with him on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Sports Cage on Rider Radio 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Brennan McGuire and Sean Kleisinger finishing up the week on the Sports Cage, filling in for Michael Ball. That'll be the case next week as well. You can always chime in on the discussion through our Twitter feed at Sports Cage or on the Capital GMC Buick Cadillac text line 306-936-6262. Call us toll-free at 1-866-767-0620. Joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline, Rider Radio color analyst Luke Mullinder. Luke, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the defense. You know, when we look back... At the last season, Garrett Marino sucked up a lot of the oxygen, and he had to go. That seemed apparent to just about everybody by the time they did cut him loose just after a Labor Day loss to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But you look at the records, 5-2 and two with him in the lineup, 1-10 and ten without him. Guy was a baller, and nobody can argue that. Is Micah Johnson good enough to fill those shoes, in your opinion? Well, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I think it's a little bit disrespectful to Micah Johnson to to to, to ask that. Um, and, and I don't mean from I don't mean you're disrespecting him. I think that it's disrespectful for us to not to act like Micah Johnson is that deal. You know, um, this is a guy that his whole career he's played on the other side of the line of scrimmage. And what I mean by that is, is he played in the opponent's backfield when he was with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, he was the guy that was freeing other guys up because you had to you had to account for him. Otherwise he was gonna be on the other side and, and when the defensive tackle plays on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage and is capable of collapsing, everything happens before it's supposed to in an offensive play. So when um, a running back is supposed to run right behind the guard and the tackle on the right side and as soon as the ball is snapped there's somebody who's bubbling the guard in the center. What does the running back do? He's got to cut way before he's supposed to. Every play on offense is drawn up, and every player wants to execute the play as it's drawn up. And there's not one play in a playbook offensively that is drawn up with the offensive lineman getting knocked backwards at the at the line of scrimmage, right? So that's that's where Micah Johnson helps this team. A physical presence that they lacked after Garrett Marino was was expelled. Now, um, they also were really hurt when Lanier was a victim of, of, of concussion protocol, rightfully so, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta get a guy healthy and you gotta be safe with him. But right now, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have an incredible one-two punch in the middle. Um, you have Lanier, who requires athletic offensive lineman just to get a body on him because he's so athletic and quick off the ball. That guy's as quick as a cat. 
You know, he moves really well for a big guy. And then you've got Micah Johnson, who is a physical specimen that will liter- that literally commands the attention of two guys, or at least commands the awareness of two offensive linemen. So if you look at that and you say, wow, these guys are in the same space, that's where the problem is presented. And then you've got a guy like Pete Robertson. Now, having said all that, the one concern I have, and it's literally the only concern I have, is can you keep Micah Johnson in this stage of his career healthy? Because one thing I know, I've played with guys who just didn't care about their bodies. Kitwana Jones comes up for one, uh, one example. Fred Perry comes up for us, uh, right? These guys only knew one way to play, and that's Micah Johnson. He literally knows one way to play, and that's kick your butt and play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So when you get older, right, that, that injury question becomes more palpable for a guy like Micah Johnson because he plays with such physicality. If this guy gives the Riders 16 games, it's going to be a real problem. If him and Lanier are able to stay on the field, it's going to be a real problem for opposing offenses. Luke, you're listing off all these names from the 07 Grey Cup champs, Fred Perry, Kitwana Jones. You're like a man after my own heart bringing up all those memories. Well, I played, I, I, you know, I, I played with these guys, right? And, 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 and I, I understand sort of just where, where you need to head, right? And, and right now, and here's the other thing too, guys. You know, and I'm going to be honest, and Brendan McGuire, nobody knows this more than you. Nobody's won more on paper great cuts than the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the last 10 years. Nobody. Not even close. (laughs) Not even close. Like, literally, we've won the last nine great cuts on paper, you know, um, ever. Like, literally, in the last decade. You can't rely. But on paper, this team has positioned themselves to be competitive. It was nice to see the moves that they made in the... Now, is it out of necessity? Absolutely, right? There are guys in the front office that are concerned, you know, about their employment after this year. So you knew that they had to uh, had to make moves that were going to keep this team competitive. In my estimation right now, they, they've got a really good shot. But again, it's got to work out on the field between the white line, right? Like, we'll take the paper gray cup, sure, whatever, right? But, but it needs to happen physically. Uh, Craig Dickinson said at his last home game news conference after the game, he said, we really got to upgrade on the offensive line and the defensive line. Um, as we sit here after free agency um, or after free agency opened and, and most of the players available have signed, can we look at this and, and to the best of what we see, can we say mission accomplished? No, because, well, I mean, we've upgraded in certain spots. But to, to say that this coaching staff didn't have improvements to make too would would, would be would be irresponsible, right? Right. Like Coach Dickinson. One of the things that Coach Dickinson will probably readily admit to is is what plagued Coach Dickinson since he started is clock management, right? And it's his decision making in in the last two minutes of of the halves and the games that have really been brought to light. But but the problem is it's consistently been presented. Right? Like people, people are, are fine if you see, you know, from one year to another a massive improvement. But one of the areas that Coach Dickinson, you know, has left is that clock management. In my opinion, too, and this is just my opinion, right? I, I'm a former player, won a great cup, been to three, right? Like, I know a little bit. Coach Dickinson really needs to take a harder line this year with the play. But you cannot have the animals running the zoo. 
And, and, you know, look, look, I know we're in 2023, we're in the woke movement. And, you know, me saying that is, is probably going to get misconstrued by like three people who make the most noise. But I'm really serious about that. I, I would love to see, and I think I, I shared that with him um, when we were in the Great Cup Festival. Him and I, I we had a really great talk. And, and, you know, he knows how much I respect I have. I, I understand that he's one of the best coaches we have in the TFL. But he really needs to take a harder line with this, with this group in terms of his discipline um, because that's the difference. I think that's really the, the, the thing that, that's holding him back from being considered one of the top tier coaches in this league, right? Like people know that he's a great guy. He's a, he's a, he's a really, he's a guy that anybody would play for, but being a guy that anybody wants to play for and winning great cup championships are two entirely different and if, if there's if there's something that I really think that Coach Dickens, if, if he takes a harder line with the guys in the locker room this year, and and says like, look, this is the way it's going to be. You're either on you're either on the boat, or we hope you can float. Then then I think this team is going to really struggle. If he takes a harder line, if this team is 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 is, is direct with the culture that they want to establish. You know, they're direct in the discipline on all levels, regardless if it's a core guy, a high-paid guy, or a practice roster guy. I think they'll get a lot of results. Would this tougher coach Dickinson that we're speaking of have benched Cody Fajardo a little bit sooner um, over the protests of Cody? I mean, he's gone on, when I say he, Cody has gone on record as saying that um, Dickinson had been riding him for a while, saying if we don't start producing more, we're going to have to sit you down. And looking back with the benefit of hindsight, should Coach Dickinson have taken a harder line stance, maybe a little bit sooner with this quarterback? Coach Dickinson could have taken any route he wanted to in this, in, in, in last year's situation, and he would have lost either way. Mm. The problem with it is that it became such an issue in the press, in the media. And, you know, people, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions is, you know, coaches and, and coaches and players don't read the newspaper. Uh, I, I can tell you this, they're lying, right? In 2007, you want to know how Coach Austin got the biggest reaction out of that group? Is He literally would say, here's what they're saying about you guys. Right when, when when my coaches need to get up my butt, they would be like, "Hey, Luke, here's here's, here's what they had on right at the end about you. Right? <laughs> like so 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 those guys would say, "Oh yeah, we don't read the papers, we don't listen." To no, they're lying. <laughs> All right, I've said that, I said this two weeks ago, and I think Zinger remembers it. Coach Dickinson has far been far too accommodating. Um, he he, there's there's no reason that he should have been explaining the saga that was the Cody Fajardo story. And you're seeing it, you know, Three, three Down Nation is still giving platform or, or whoever it is to, to, hey, Cody, what happened? And Cody's in there talking about, oh, man, I really wish the communication would have been better. Dude, this is a business. This is a what have you done for me lately business. This team spent far too much time explaining themselves. You know, and I know that, that, that a guy like Chris Jones wasn't necessarily the favorite guy because he just would be like, yeah, that's the issue and we're not going any further. But you know what that did? That gained him a little bit more credibility where it mattered. And you know where that was? In the locker room. If you become a guy that starts airing out and, and explaining yourself, uh, 
and explaining yourself in the media. You just, you know, you, you can't be, you can't be on the fence. You got to be either or. And I'm really hoping that Coach Dickinson takes a really, a much more regimented, disciplined line this year. Cause I think that if he does, man, you know, this team will compete. Straight up. This team, every other team is going to be better in the Western Division. You try to be better as well. You try to please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. So I think the point you're making is that. Yeah, this isn't a humanitarian organization. (laughs) I've said that, like, you know, but let me do that. This is the right, let me, let the right. No, it is not. not. a humanitarian organization. It's time to go and, and, and look at this deal for what it is. And what it is is trying to win great cup championships. Luca. I feel like I'm cutting you off right in the middle of you on a roll. You're right in your prime. Uh, I can't wait to do this again next week. Thanks for this, pal. Yeah, brother. Give me a call. Okay, will do. That See you, is Matt. Rider Radio Color Extraordinaire, Luke Mullinder, and uh, he kind of alluded to something I thought about Zinger, which was, um, you know, after the season ended, Cody goes on a program and says, you know, they haven't reached out to me, which is unfortunate. So what does Coach Dickinson do? He reaches out to him, gives him an update. And then after free agency comes, Cody says, well, Craig Reynolds reached out and Jeremy O'Day, but I didn't hear anything from Coach Dickinson. It's kind of like, oh my goodness. this guy doesn't know how to be dumped. Yeah. Right? And it reminds um, me of one of those soap know. operas that I used to play on TV when I got home from preschool. Soap opera. All my children. Yeah. Something like that. You're probably too young for that. Or maybe yeah, it still comes so. on. I don't I'm know. Young. I'll have to sit at home and uh, watch TV. I'll have to sit at home and uh, watch those soap operas one of these days. Hey, this has been amazing. Yeah, man. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Jam-packed short week. And that'll do it for another week of the Sports Cage. We have Regina Pats hockey coming up a little bit later here on the radio station. But right away, Zinger is next. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.